got Brandon Strichter here, said it right, from Investment Joy. Thank you for coming in. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. You have a lot going on. You have vending times 100, laundromat investment, uh, you know, better your social media, real estate, landlord, boot camp. Yeah. I mean, all of these things at one time. Yeah. Now, when you first, this all happened, I assume, you had gotten evicted at 18, right? Um, I was evicted at six. Um, my family was evicted when we were, I was six years old, and then we were evicted the second time when we were eight. I was just, just, just had turned eighteen. And then why were why were you evicted? Uh, the first time, the landlord wanted to sell the house. Um, we, he was nice. just at a point my parents could not afford to purchase it. My dad had this thing of I, I I don't know why he won't give me a land contract with no money down. And now as a decent sized landlord of a bunch of rental property, I'm like, yeah, dad, you know, I think to myself, like, yeah, no one in their right mind would ever do a land contract with no money down with somebody that has really trash credit. And I'm, I always, I, I go back and I kind of like role play all these scenarios in my mind from when I was a kid. I'm like, there were ways we could have got out of poverty and all these different problems going on in life, but my parents didn't have access to any sort of knowledge or education when it came to money and finance. And that's kind of what got us into the mess. So um, six years old, the landlord um, sold the house out. He just needed, I don't know, I never asked the guy. He needed money. He sold the place. And we had to move, we moved from that house to a um, not great shape house on, in the middle of a cornfield, like in a big giant farming area. It was an old tenant house in Ohio. Usually if you were a farm operator, you would build a, t a house for your farm workers to live in. So we lived in the middle of a cornfield back a really long lane. And it was a, I mean, it was a great living environment. There were barns and cornfields all around but it was in pretty crummy shape right around 22 or sorry 2002 2003 the owner of the farm decided to get um, some oil wells installed because we do have a decent level of shale oil in ohio so they came out and they put an oil well in our backyard essentially and at one point the oil well sprung a leak and it filled <laughs> our basement with oil and natural oh, gas and filled like, the basement with oil yes oh, that, must that was the mess. worst thing and it was right after my dad had his heart attack i'm sorry to hear that yeah um, my mom just passed away oh, and i'm sorry, still trying too. to it's been a year i'm still trying to yeah. swallow it you know? oh for my dad it was 2017 and you know it's like oh, i think about him every day and but with this youtube channel fame or social media interest that i have I can kind of make sense of all the things that he struggled with and my family dealt with growing up. It's like, oh, some, here's some vindication. Would really have been nice if he was around here to see it with all my subscribers and whatnot, being able to talk about, you know, yeah, Dad, you drove a truck, but you didn't manage it very well. <laughs> you really shouldn't have done that. Because, like, I talked to people about my dad driving a truck growing up and like, oh, wow, so you really weren't that poor. I'm like, no, he's an owner-operator. So every time the truck broke down, he had to pay for the repair bill or pay for the diesel fuel. So when he got, he quit trucking and started working at Walmart um, stocking shelves, uh, that was a real big upgrade for my family. But he was only there for a couple of years and then he had his heart attack. And then the, that was, he had his heart attack in August that year. And then um, in December, I think that's when the oil well exploded, <sighs> filled the house with oil and natural gas. And the worst thing is, I don't think <laughs> I've ever said this on an interview, we lived in the house that had oil and natural gas in it for like three weeks. Wow. So how do you live in there with a pile with oil? It's, it's, I mean, I mean, oil is thick. I mean, how it do was you... in the basement. So yeah. can you, if you can imagine being around that smell and I was yeah. like, tell my parents, yeah. we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. My parents called the fire department. They're like, you can't live here. You have to leave this place. And even after that, my parents waited like a week or two still. 
like, where are we going to go live? I'm like, any place is better than this guy's. Yeah, I mean, I would think the fumes are oh, extremely dangerous it just is, sitting there. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. It's like it's like one of those things where I don't understand how anything functioned in the house without just exploding, just like the whole thing blowing up. And that's a miracle in of itself that it didn't. But I was getting migraines and headaches and just rampant sickness. But there's my dad. He can't function due to his heart attack. And we're trying to figure out what to do. And then some, they found somebody that had a little tiny one-bedroom apartment over a coffee shop in town. And they said, you know, if you have to move out, you could move here. But then, like, a day later after that person called us, the landlord there served my parents' eviction papers. They were current on their rent. But they just did a 30-day lease termination like you're allowed to do in Ohio and say, we just don't want to rent this house to you anymore. And the reason for that was the landlord was afraid that we would want to sue him for the oil well. And it doesn't really make sense because realistically, if we want to sue somebody, you sue the oil the oil firm, not Not the landlord. landlord. Not well, the what are you going to get out of the landlord? Right? Well, it's like, it's, what what did he do? Yeah, he didn't do anything. He and that's what my parents it, felt yeah. like. What did he do? And then I I think maybe at some point my parents contacted an attorney, and the attorney said, just don't, don't even bother with it. So we just had to kind of walk away from the house, lost not everything in the house, but... Anything that was not porous, we kept. So it's like clothes, you know, that's made out of fabric. We kept some clothes there. It smelled like oil and natural oh, gas. Yeah, everything in the house had to smell like oil, right? Years. Because think like when you go pump gas and you get a little bit on that's all I can think of, that smell of gas on your hands, yes. and it's horrible. And the weird thing is with natural, with crude oil, it's worse. Ugh. Like it's a worse smell. Than you can the imagine. gas station. Yeah, because that's pure. Yeah. Right? It's not oh, diluted. It's right? unrefined and all this. Uh, all is, I mean- I can't drive. I, I, there we have plenty of a decent bit of oil wells in Ohio. I can't drive past them without almost throwing up. Just from that, just like because PSD it's, from that. Yeah, instantly I'm back there in the house with my dad. Um, like I can, I can see it. I'm there right at my house and like, oh no, it's here again. And my and my kids are like, eh, it doesn't smell that bad. And I remember being younger and I'm like, the smell of crude oil really isn't that bad of a smell. It has this, you know, it's kind of a weird pungent smell. But now after that happens. Until it's in your basement, right? <laughs> so you, you get evicted. Now you're 18 at this time, right? Yes. The final one. Yeah. So, now, what are you doing? What's your next move now? So I ended up, um, I right around the time, I, shortly after my dad had his heart attack, um, I ended up wanting to get a job to help support them because we knew, my brother and I knew that our, my, our dad wasn't going to work for quite some time, if ever again. And even then, if he was going to be able to get on like some sort of disability program, it was going to take years to, to happen anyway. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. Unbelievable it's, system. It, after it's all sent out, it was eight years. Um, it was how long? I think it was eight years. Wow. Yeah. That's it unbelievable. Forever. Um, so my bro- I start working at a warehouse. My brother starts working, picking up trash for the city. The city. And um, I'm I'm working there for prob- for a few months. This podcast is sponsored by Let's Get Checked. Guys, let's talk about what your diet is doing to your testosterone. Fast food, protein bars, instant noodle, candy, soda, chips. How often do you consume these? If any of these are staples in your diet right now, you're consuming what is referred to as ultra-processed foods. Ultra-processed foods have long ingredient lists, additives designed to make foods ready to eat, cost less, and yeah, They do a great job at doing that. But processed foods have high amounts of trans fat in them. This is an unhealthy type of fat, and if you consume a lot, it could lower your testosterone levels. Think about this. Consumption of ultra-processed foods have been rapidly rising since the 1980s, and the average man's testosterone levels 
has been dropping substantially in the same time frame. Hmm. And this is true for men of all ages. So let's talk about today's sponsor. Let's get checked. They're a worldwide leader in at-home testing kits, and their male hormone test lets you easily test your testosterone levels at home. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next-day delivery. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA-approved and CAP-accredited, which are the highest-ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash MSCS. And, special offer for MSCS media viewers, use the code MSCS and get 30% off your test. The link is in the description below at the top. I think I started around September and then that oil well situation happened in December. Um, the little apartment was a little tiny apartment, so it's my brother, me, and uh, mom and dad. So I ended up moving in with my grandma at that point, and I we ended up living. I ended up living with her for several months, probably almost a year. My brother and um, parents live in the, above the coffee shop for about a year or two, and then they end up figuring they end up going and getting an all day loan back in the day. This was oh five. And back then, you could just lie to a bank. What's it called? Eight O loan? A, an all day loan. What is that? They're called liar loans. Oh, liar I've loans. Never heard of. Like, if you go into like a cash advance and get it for the day, and then they no, kill you on the percentage, I mean, even was, worse. No, well, it wasn't. It really wasn't that bad of a percentage. It just was. You could go into any lender back in oh five oh six and say, "I want to buy a house," and they'll say, "Okay, we're going to give you your paperwork." And you know, they slide around the the, <laughs> the desk and. You look at the paperwork and it says, oh, you make $60,000 a year. There's no verification for that stuff <laughs> whatsoever. My parents are just like, oh, we finally get to own a house. So for $135,000 that some bank paid, my parents bought a house. So then my good for them. Yeah, good for them. So my brother and I, we're working full. Uh, I'm working full time. I think my brother's almost full time at that point. And so we're just working. We're making money. Um, and uh, we help make, our parent, our, make the mortgage payment for our parents. So it didn't end up too bad. That situation played out for a few years, and I got married, turned 21, found a girl, got married, and now I have a whole bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> so then, and then you have your own newspaper. I call it that because I, I still love the newspaper, like the paper newspaper. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would like the newspaper a whole lot more if it didn't cost so much to print. We're trying to figure out a cost cost advantageous way to do it. I want to make it like a reverse newspaper where the newspaper's free um, and you have to pay for it to be carried. Like um, a lot of rural communities, they have advertising newspapers and they're free. So then you go and you pick them up at a local business and the business likes the foot traffic. So I had floated this idea past my newspaper crew of going to a free newspaper to where we charge businesses 100, 200 bucks a month. And that covers the printing costs for the newspaper. And just as it is now, we, we haven't found a printer that will do it for a, you know, keep our cost at $1,000 a month or $1,000 per print and whatever that amount is, then we get those papers printed. But how, how do you go about buying one? Like, does the writers come with it? Do, like, you know. Um, we found a brand. We had been told by the wayside that they were on the rocks. The writer was tired of all the work with for no money. Mm-hmm. And that at least at that time it was cash flow positive. They were making at least on paper fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a month. 
And I went to the owner, the owner and said, well, how much do you want for it? And she thought about it and said, oh, $7,000. And I thought, well, I don't want to pay $7,000 for this newspaper brand. And she could lie about the statistics and all this different stuff. So we went in and um, I offered her 4500 bucks, and she she just took it immediately. Wow. Yeah. I thought, well, we get the newspaper brand, and she's we signed an extension contract where she could come back and work for us for 20 bucks an hour or a flat fee of $25 per article that she would put in the new the new publication and we took over the brand and our intention at that point which is hilarious I, I think it's hilarious was we had already bought the branding for a competing newspaper we had just come up with the Scioto Post and the font type and logos graphics packs and then here we bought this other newspaper and we thought okay crap you know we even have to do this we could have we went did not even need our own branding because we, you, you just purchased everything just purchased, that was already branded, yeah, right? Yeah, we <laughs> branded. And so what we ended up doing was we ran two separate newspapers concurrently. And it was just insane how well the new one did as opposed to the one that everybody knew with the um, with the, the woman that had been the, the news writer for 25, 30 years in our town. Now, why do you think that is? Just something new or the woman was just sick of it and wasn't putting the time we, into it like she was prior she did not want to do video and our thing was well we're, we're going to have a website we're going to have a facebook page we're going to put video on and i'm telling you you go out and you start shooting live content in a small community of <laughs> the you know the local pet parade and you go in there with an iphone and you're shooting the picture of everybody's dog as it goes down main street you know you get some really hardcore people on your site almost instantaneously so we ended up, you know, I want to say probably within three months, we had a, um, we had probably 5,000 subscribers on our Facebook page, like 5,000 wow. people that were following us. That's impressive, especially with the newspaper, you know, because everybody's into the apps and the mobile, yeah. you know, maybe I'm just one of few. I, I like the paper. I don't like the app stuff. I like to just page through it, sit on yeah. the toilet, and you know what I mean. Page and and it. I get it. Uh, there's a lot of people that I run into that they love the the the. Um... It's kind of like the feel. Yeah, the you know, it's like the feel, right. and then you know, you get the ink on your just. Yeah. It's like old school, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's a texture thing. Now, what was the first purchase you made? Like investment purchase before you got all huge. You know, you're building up. <clears throat> you know, you and your brothers are helping out your family. You meet mm -hmm. your wife. Things are going good. What was the first big uh, investment purchase that you made? So, like, um, that, that's like a really complicated question. I've, I've, because it's like my brother and I. <laughs> I started. My grandma was like, "You guys need to buy CDs." When my brother and I were little kids. So my brother and I went out and bought certificates of deposits, which is like the most trash investment anybody could ever do. And it ruined my brother and I for investment forever because we thought, why would anybody buy these? They pay 4% interest, and this isn't hardly anything. You know, We'd saved up, even before we were teenagers, th several thousand dollars to do that. So my brother and I, instead of going the CD and hardcore investment route, we ended up starting a business, and the business ultimately failed with all of our seed money that we took out of our CDs. Um, but like as an adult, like I started investing in some stocks on the side and they did pretty well. Um, I got in Tesla in 2013. Oh, you got an early, really mm. good thing. I've been in Bitcoin since 2011, back when you could just click a button on a website and ask for free Bitcoin. What was it in 2011? Nothing. It was free. It was, it was so cheap. You could go on a website and you could get one, one Bitcoin or half a Bitcoin a day per click. Like. 
my friend did it. I, and I, he just happened to get into Bitcoin. You know, all we did was play video games, but he got mm. into Bitcoin early, like yeah. around that. I think he might have, what year did you say? 2011. 11. I think he might have right around then or 09. Held on to it, and when it first spiked up to like twenty thousand a piece, okay. the, the first big spike, he dumped it all and made I don't know twelve million. Yeah, it, it depends on which spike it was. Because my problem or my thing was, I was getting Bitcoin for free, and I was like, oh, this is just something I can get for free. If it ever does well, then I'll have something. Because people back then were saying this is the future of money; it's going to be worth thousands of dollars Never. a piece, yeah. Yeah, only a thousand dollars per Bitcoin. And uh, so I got I got quite a bit. Uh, or not, I, I got some Bitcoin, and I logged in one day when it first reached like three or four dollars per coin. And then I logged in. I thought, oh, cool! I got all this Bitcoin here. I've got something. Maybe I'll sell one, see what happens, so on and so forth. Um, then I came back the next day, and my Bitcoin hot wallet's open, and all the Bitcoin's gone. And I started doing research, and here I um, there was a stealth keylogger. This was twenty twelve, oh. I think mm-hmm. it was. There was a stealth keylogger on uh, Bitcoin wallets, and if you had Windows XP, there was this exploit, and they could just take they your, could your, put in the, the yeah. keylogger. Yeah. yeah, they could figure out where your, your, your code was, and they just take it from you. And I thought, man, that and that ruined me for for a year or so on Bitcoin. Um, so th- uh, t- in 2013, um, I had been I got it, my real estate license in 06. I worked at the warehouse for oh shoot three years ish. And by that point, I was starting to date my wife. I thought, man, there's no future in me getting 11 bucks an hour <laughs> shipping boxes and packing boxes. So I thought, everybody in my town that's in real estate's rich. I'm going to get into real estate because that's where all the rich people, they have nice suits on. They drive Cadillacs. They're really nice, nice looking people. They're all rich. So in the state of Ohio, it's 1300 bucks for a real estate license. You go take a class for three weeks and they give you it's the, done. They give you it. Okay. What is it here in Florida? A real estate license? I don't know about uh, the real estate license, but um, for my mortgage loan origination license, I had to pay the test. That was one hundred ten dollars, and then I think it was two seventy. The li- it's a lot cheaper for the mortgage loan originator's license. The real estate license, they, those guys get they get taxed. Crazy, yeah. yeah. It's not really really too bad. So I am twenty twelve twenty thirteen ish rolls around. Um, I had been in real estate. I discovered really quickly that the real estate sales agents, they're not the ones that make money. I knew at that point I ran into agents that were working 60 hours a week, making 50 grand a year. And it's not that there's anything wrong with making 50 grand a year. It's just, I had this family that we were looking at starting and I thought, man, this sucks. You know, working all those hours for 50 grand. I want to find something. And you're just making money for the guy who owns the company. Yeah. So that 60 that you make is a peanut on what he's cashing in on. Which again, like you said, there's nothing wrong with it, but if you got a family and you want to provide better and on your own, that's not going to work. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I, I, my brother and I, we'd started an online paintball store selling equipment on eBay and stuff and when we were 15, 16 years old, that failed. But I had some level of marketing knowledge and understanding so when uh, 2013 rolls around, I had been a real estate agent for a while. I got into online marketing, search search engine optimization. I was in that for quite some time, and I knew how to market. And I thought, you know, I'm just at a point. I need to really just double down, triple down. I need to do whatever I have to do to get some rentals. So um, I sold some of my websites off, got like 50 grand for a package of websites that were at that point, I was building them, and they were making money through uh, Google AdSense, which is like the YouTube partner program mm. where they pay you for views. 
with so I had those websites and I sold them fifty grand. I took twenty five grand of it and I start I went out and started approaching investors and say, Hey, I've got twenty five thousand dollars. Would you like to partner with me and start buying some houses here in Ohio? And I had like a um, like a, a, a pitch deck, just real quick. Hey, I found this property for twenty three thousand dollars. I think I can rehab it and I can make a thousand dollars a month. Here's another one. 20 grand to purchase, 10 grand to renovate it. I think we make 700 bucks a month. I took that uh, pitch deck around. I started shopping investors saying, you know, I'm willing to put some of my own money in. And I found out really, really quick, you have a bunch of time that you're willing to throw into uh, a business like that. And you've got a good sales pitch. I just started getting money from investors. My initial $25,000 ended up being over 400 grand investment and that was probably correct me if i'm wrong because you came to these investors and you said look i have my own money too mm-hmm. I, it's not just you putting the yeah. money out so then they feel more secure yes. investing with you correct yeah. yeah because i told them like if, if we start losing money it's gonna be my money too and then we just i just started rolling that money over and over and over again and we built this company up i was i did like an interviewish type thing on bigger pockets back in 2014 and it was just a tidal wave of people saying, hey, I saw that you bought 20 rentals in Ohio for $400,000. <laughs> and, and they said, I, um, I, they were contacting me off bigger pockets. And I said, yeah, whatever. And I had a, a couple guys or I had a couple guys say, I want, I want to give you money. I want to buy some, some of these properties and I'll partner with you. Let's do 50-50 partners on it. I will supply 100% of your cash. I, uh, I messaged several of them back. I said, Here's my account number. Here's the routing instructions. Go, send me some money. Like I can find, I can find us plenty of rentals under fifty grand. Send me fifty grand. One week later, I'm looking at my bank deposit. Boom, There's boom. fifty grand. Yeah. And I said, I messaged the guy. I was like, "Did you send me fifty thousand dollars?" He said, "Well, that's what you needed." <laughs> he said, "Can you find me a house?" Uh, so I got on the MLS super quick and found a duplex for for forty eight, because that 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 was 2014 and properties were still super easy to find on the MLS. Um, we, we ended up buying that one. I found another house. I bought it for $9,000. Wow. Like a month afterwards. And that guy said, all right, just tell me how much money you need. And he said, I can go up to a million dollars in the next year. After that point, I just, I just couldn't believe it. I thought, holy crap, this thing is not nearly as hard as I told myself, told me myself. Cause when I was in real estate as a new agent, I think everybody remembers, especially if you like ever watched TV in the 1990s or the early 2000s of the guy on the beach in Hawaii with the girls in the bikini saying, I bought real estate. Oh, this yeah. is how I, I've got a yacht. Yeah. I, I have all this stuff and, and I did it through free real estate. And everybody has these free real estate I remember, courses. I remember the guy specifically. He had red swimming trunks on. Half the time he would have no shirt on, yeah. right? Sunglasses on, girls running around yeah. him. Yeah. Sometimes it was even like an infomercial at yeah. nighttime. It was, yeah. there it was were actually infom- funny. There were commercials and there were infomercials. And um, long story short, um, I was in real estate for like one year and got married. And my um, my mother-in-law had this gigantic tape series from Carlton Sheets. He was he was not the beach guy, but he was close to it. And I started asking the people in my real estate office, the agents, I'm like, how do you buy real estate for free? I'm like, I look at, I know, I have to deal with mortgages. I don't see how you get anything for free. How do people get real estate for free? And that led me to a series of questions asking agents. None of the agents in the office were like, nah, that's a scam. It doesn't exist. And time went on, I started working with investors. And I asked them, like, how did you get half a million dollars. One of the guys was a truck driver, just like my dad. 
and he wanted to buy some houses to flip them. And I'm like, okay, we need to go to the bank, get your pre-qualified ball. And you know, the whole marketing spiel that an agent goes through the pre-qualifications asking them how, you know, where are you going to get the money from? Where is it? So on and so forth. And he takes a checkbook. He just throws it at me and says, there's your money. And I, I'm like, where are you throwing a checkbook at me? He's like, open it, open up my checkbook and see how much money I have in there. So I flip this, op- this book open of a truck driver and he's got 350, $360,000 cash in the bank. What the heck? How did you do this? He said, "Well, I'm lever- leveraging my stock." Okay, explain this. He says, "You know, I've got cash, and we've flipped other houses before. I just want a new agent." You know, I, I don't. I looking back at how he tried to explain it to me, I, maybe he was getting equity loans off of the stock. Because I sounds do, like it, right? I do that now, and I started talking to the agents in the office, and I said, "Here's these investors that I'm talking to, and they're getting all this real estate, and they're making." $100,000 flipping a house. How do I do this? And the thing that I found out, none of the agents in my office had any clue. They said, oh, I don't know. I said, you know, I, I had asked a couple agents who had been in the business for 30 plus years, how do you do this? I don't know. You have to go get 20% down. That's how you have to do it. Like, this guy does not need 20% down to buy a rental. And it just took me a very long time to figure out that number one, you can talk to investors, you can go get hard money loans. You know, there's all these different ways and um, some of the programs that we had mentioned at the onset of um, this thing where I'm doing that kind of education on some paid courses and some behind the scenes video content. I'm like, I, I just didn't, did not understand that that was ever in the cards. And then I really started having a disconnect with a lot of agents that I really liked, really nice people. But there was one agent that had five rentals and she just threw a fit over the fact that she had to trash a house out. She She had to go get trash out of a house. She had to get carpet. She had to go in. And fix things. And I said, oh, that sucks. How much are you going to lose on it? And she said, oh, I'm going to have to re-carpet the house and spend a bunch of time on it. And I said, okay, how much are you going to have to spend? $2,500. Okay, $2,500. That sucks, but you get to keep the house, so that's not too bad of a deal. It was in a nice subdivision, too. And I asked her, how many years had the tenant been in there? She went on to explain to me that the tenant had been in there for six years at $700 a month. Ooh. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, $700 a month, that's $8,400 a year. How long had they lived in there? Six years. So eight, let's just say, eight, I'm doing the math in my head, like $8,000, that's $32,000, a little over $32,000 over the course of six months you made on that house. And you're worried about $2,500. And I'm like, I said, you're worried about $2,500. <laughs> I asked her, I said, how much time's in this again? I'm going to spend six hours going to the carpet store and making sure my painters oh my are painting it right and- then my next follow-up question was six hours. I said, how much other time do you have in it? She said, well, I have to go collect the rent. <laughs> <laughs> tough, said, tough job, honey. <laughs> I said, how long does that take you? An hour? Yeah. I said, so you've made 34th, let's say 30 grand. Let's let's round it down. 30 grand off of 20 hours worth of work. And $2,500. And she, this exact same lady was the one that was working 60 hours in my real estate office. 60 hours a week for 50K, 50K a year. Because with the MLS, you can go and see how much money everybody makes. Every, you want to report your sales to the MLS so you can win the convention awards. And you get the little plaque that says you're a t- you're in the 10 million club and all that crap. Is it still like that now? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I didn't know if they took that Oh, away. no, no, no. Everybody <clears throat> wants those awards. They want the $100 million club. And yeah. it's this cumulative number that doesn't mean anything does not mean anything. It means over the course of your life, you sold $100 million of real estate and it's 
face value of the property. So you sell a $1 million property, you get 1% of the deal uh, off of the commission off that was $10,000. You made $10,000 commission for selling a million dollar property. It's like, oh, but technically what they'll do is they'll say, okay, you sold a million and then they'll put that in the stats, right? Yeah, oh, but yeah. really you oh. only made 10K. Yes, you did. Uh, not even near a million. No, you know? no yeah. but it's just big That's number. It's, it's yeah. this big number on the wall and they put a plaque. I'm a $10 oh, million, $100 million dollar producer. Yeah, everybody loves those plaques. And you have to pay for them nine, nine times out of 10 anyway. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, this you made more money owning a rent one rental property than you do over your real estate career. I'm like, this is awesome. And she said, no, the, it's crap because all my rentals are like this. I said, excuse me? All your rentals? She's, I got six of these in the subdivision. I said, you got six properties making $700 a month. One of them's 800 and one of them's 600. I'm like, well, that averages out $700 a month, really? And you keep them in here for eight, six years? Yeah, sometimes longer. I'm listening. I'm here. That's like a great non-turnover I, on a rental. I, I am to hearing, keep somebody in there for six I years. Am, yeah, my heart's my heart's beating. I'm 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 listening to this lady speak, and I'm thinking, this is the best business in the world. You don't have to spend all your time. You make money while you're sleeping. Like I have to get into this, and it took me after having that conversation. I had that conversation with the lady probably in 2008, 2009. It just took me for a long time to figure out that I really didn't need a bunch of money to go out and buy property. I could find investors. I could figure out some way to do it without paying 20% down. And at that point, I think my credit was crap anyway. And you don't, if you go get private investors, you don't need credit anyway. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. They just want to see what the deal looks like and they want to know what they're going to get out of it. So, <laughs> excuse me. Um, so as time goes on, I just get better at pitching investors and I get grow and grow and grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm here now at this point with, the what, car wash. What do you have? A hundred, you have 150 rentals. Though, it's 130 right? doors right now in my rental business. It's probably a little more than that, but I've got some marketing and um, we're se- we're selling some of these places because I have just so much equity in them. And then I own a 38 unit uh, storage locker facility too. So it's you know do you include those 38 doors? Well, and I have 168 doors, and it's like those are little doors. They make me seven. Still, it's 168. Yeah, they make me like 70 bucks a month, but it. Still a seventy to seventy. Yeah, you, know? we spend, you can never forget what seventy is, right? Yeah. So we spend uh, thirty minutes a month managing those. Can't beat that. No. So you got one hundred fifty of them, huh? Yeah. Now, <clears throat> with the market the way it is now, with renting and buying and real estate, it's, it's got to pop. This podcast is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet, Monster Energy. It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians, co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra, Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon, buy on Walmart, or go to monsterenergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the beast. Monster Energy. Right? I, th- I think it's going to pop in a lot of localized areas. It just depends on what your market dynamics are. And I'm not good enough to say, oh, yeah, the market's going to pop and it's just going to be disastrous. Because I, I got my real estate license in 2006, so I was there for the crash. And 
like then, like today, you had a lot of people saying, oh, we're going to have a crash and it's going to do X, Y, Z. And there were very few people that were perfectly accurate in terms of their predictions. I didn't meet hardly anybody that said they were going to have a total market collapse based on um, CMOs and CDOs and these debt obligations because they were packaged up and they were put in F-grade investments with, with A-grade investments. I remember investments. seeing those F-grade investments. But now when you can, because you were in the field then in 08, mm-hmm. and now how close is it? It's, it's totally, yeah, or different. totally different. It's totally different. What's and, totally different about it? Excuse me. Sure. <coughs> um, the problem that I saw locally, and you can look on local stats, and this is the case for a lot of areas, but not all areas, was back then we had a lot of housing that was sitting empty. Builders were overbuilding. There, the supply wasn't there. The, there was some demand, and they, because the Fed, their Fed had low rates and it was easy to get money, it's been the past couple of years, they were overbuilding. So I can go through my region and I can look at subdivision after subdivision after subdivision that was empty. They had built the housing stock. We didn't need it. They had overbuilt. I know guys that uh, were in Las Vegas at the time. Las Vegas is one of the hardest hit markets in the United States. They, why is that? Why why was why was there, Vegas? There were most... subdivisions in Las Vegas that I've talked to the developers on. They built two, three hundred houses, and no one lived there. Oh, they just got crushed. Yeah, huh? and so then it just took forever for those houses to come out of the market, to rebound to 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 fill up the demand. Well, you look at the number of people that are wanting to buy a house, wanting to upgrade. It severely outstrips the number of houses that are being built. Over the past 10 years in the United States, if memory serves me right, they built like 20% of the number of housing units compared to 2010, 2000 to 2010. Between, and 2010 was the same as 1990 to 2000. Wow. You look at this, there's a general um, increase every decade of the number of houses that have to be built or housing units that need need to be built in the United States. That's been true since 19, the 1930s, except for 2010 to 2020. There haven't been enough housing units to be, to be built. Now, we could see a situation where housing developers just go wild. They build way too many units, and those units have to be discounted in order to sell, and then you could end up with another collapse again. But I look at those numbers, and they're just the builders, even though they're trying to build as fast as they can, they're not doing it. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't see a lot of stuff being built. Not not like before. Mm-mm. Before, you know, like 08, 09, even five years ago. I mean, they were just building things all over. It didn't matter what state you went to. Mm-hmm. There was constant construction. Yeah. And in my opinion, just from what I've seen, in the last two years, it's 30% of what it was, just, just from an outsider's view, you yeah. know? And that, that's, that, that's the, the thing that I come back with. I look at, at building uh, costs, like how much does a piece of plywood cost? How much does a two-by-four cost? How much does a steel uh, metal truss cost? How much does a metal um, stud cost? All of those costs are higher than they were two, three, four years ago, a lot higher. And I look at those numbers, and I, I just don't know how they can we can see a collapse in pricing if those costs are getting baked into new rentals, they're still building houses. They might not be able to be building as many of them, but the cost on those are just astronomical. I, I just think it, it's absolutely insane that a house that was say two fifty, you know, a year ago is now four fifty, mm-hmm. <clears throat> even higher in some, more than double in some places. So to me, okay, so if I go sell that house for four fifty, okay, great, wow, I just made two two hundred k, right? <laughs> 
But now I have to take that 450 that I just made to go buy another house yep. that is now that house that's 450 is now 650. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at some point it, it either has to it, it has to slow down or you know the big rich guys have to come in and buy everything up. I mean something mm-hmm. has to happen because it can't sustain I don't think. And then you throw the inflation on top of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like it's a, a very, poison pill for very, real estate, right? Very weird environment. This this is a kind of market that no one's ever seen before. So my big thought process for like if Brandon's expectation is we're going to see some rising interest rates. It's going to hammer higher end properties. If the interest rate goes up 1% on a $100,000 purchase price, that's 100 bucks a month. If it goes up 2%, which we've seen on a lot of loans, it's $200. You look at a $500,000 house, now you're paying $1,000 a month more in interest payments. It just goes... Just in interest. Just in interest. It disappears. Not good. Uh, so you then scale that up to a lot of neighborhoods. I've heard the other day that Orange County, California has reached a million-dollar average home price. So on a $1 million house, on a 2% increase, it's what? extra two thousand dollars a month two or twenty thousand no two thousand dollars that's not twenty four thousand dollars and you can take those rates and you can apply fha standards government standards to them and say you should only spend 35 percent of your household income towards your house you take that number and you look at how much money people are getting paid in orange county even though payrolls are up wages are up investment incomes up it's going to be really hard to fill that two thousand dollar a month gap because you don't have to get make an extra two thousand dollars a month to pay for it by normal standards you have to make six thousand dollars more a month with just a two percent increase on your loan and you're in california with the worst tax rate ever i mean that that guy when i was uh debating whether when i moved from pennsylvania i was either going to come here or california i actually liked california better like personally at the time this is 2013 not now (laughs) a little bit different in 13 and uh, when I looked at the business tax, there was no way, no, no when went, no way, no how was I going to go to California with th- those rates? You know, it would just kill you. Yeah. And uh, you know, here's nice. Now, right now, would you recommend somebody to buy or wait? I I would buy if it makes sense. There's still plenty of deals out there. Yeah. The wealth transfer right now that we're seeing in the country and the world by by proxy, the amount of wealth we're seeing transfer from the baby boomer generation to the mostly the Gen X generation. That wealth can transfer to millennials or Gen Zs. You just have to be out there to find it. And there's there's always going to be a baby boomer who needs that money now. They're in the hospital. Something, Some life events happen, and they've got to get rid of their, their property. There's still deals out there. Um, I was talking to Donye over there about um, wanting to buy a house in Austin, Texas. Uh, there are a lot of finance YouTubers are moving there right now. Why is that? Why is everybody moving? Besides Rogan, why is everybody moving to Austin, Texas? I, well, I think is that why they're is that why they're jumping out there? Uh, low taxes. Elon's uh, building. Oh, yeah, Elon's uh, he's big building Tesla the factory. Yeah. yeah, he's building the big the gigafactory out there. Uh, SpaceX uh, is out there on San Padre, San Padre Island. They're doing all their stuff out there, and it's just like tech. Or Austin's this nice central location. Does it? Not all of them are moving there. But I see this huge migration in YouTubers and um, social media people either to Austin or to Las Vegas. And after being in both those cities, I think, man, I would really like to. Vegas is because of the taxes. Oh, yeah, the taxes. Taxes are great in Vegas. And I I just talked to so many social media people. They're moving to one of those places. And I thought, well, I should probably buy a a property in Airbnb in both locations. 
So I started applying my hillbilly marketing <laughs> program to find underpriced properties in both cities. And I haven't had too much of a problem finding stuff, you know, pretty easy, 10, 20% off of what everything's going for normally. And if you consider now, if you could get a discount on a property 20% under what the average market value is for that same property, even if we have a collapse, it's still going to make sense. It's still going to make sense. My brother bought a his first rental property in April 2007 in Central Ohio. And April 2007 was the absolute peak of our market. That's right as the prices started. They crested April. They started coming down. And then September 2008 happened. And that's when the mortgage crisis officially happened. And it just went off a cliff. So here's my brother. He bought a property at the absolute peak. He has never lost money on that property. He has made money every single month on it on it as a rental property. He made 300 bucks a Good month for, him. for uh, 07 to now, 15 years. Good Same for property him. for seven, 15 years. So in my mind, if you buy at the right price, even in an inflated market, it's still going to make sense. Now, if you overpay for something in an overinflated market, you're, you're going to be screwed during the good times. You're going to, it's going to be a disaster in the really bad times. That's why I get worried about some of these people that are going to build large Airbnb portfolios with while overpaying for the property at, at the core. Because if the property's worth, say, four fifty, and right now they want six fifty, mm-hmm. at some point in time, it's going to go back down to four fifty, five hundred. Yeah, it could. it's not going to stay at yeah. at six fifty if it, right? I mean, yeah, give or take. It's all supply and demand. Yeah, it's supply if, and demand. if the supply catches up with the current market demand, then the prices are going to go down. Now, if you compare Austin, Texas, like the real estate to say here or, or Ohio, mm-hmm. like how, like here, I would say everything's double. Double what it was. Austin's pretty close to that. Oh, they're doubling out. Well, yeah, everybody's moving there. Central Ohio is, has not doubled yet, but with the new Intel chip flat fab that's coming to Central Ohio now, we'll be up there too. They're built, going to put $100 billion into our Are they really? region. $100 billion? $100 billion. Well, They better because that M1 chip just knocked them to the moon. Uh, yeah. it's Now, when, you, um, when you're doing all this, you have your properties. What happened with... Uh, Somebody, one of your friends called you, and they had asked you, "Hey, do you want to buy this uh, rental property right next to one of the rental properties that you have?" And the guy wanted to kill you. I'm trying to think of which one that is. Um, it was it was on your website. It was like it was a story in the blog. So one of your friends called you, and he said, "Hey, look, uh, do you want to buy a rental property right Mm -hmm. next to one of your notorious rental properties?" And then for some reason or whatever, the guy wanted to kill you or threaten you or whatever. And then later on, it, it circled back around and you ended up getting it. I'm trying to think of which one that was. Um, can you pull up uh, tab one and go to a uh, blog? Okay. And then we can figure it that way. But yeah. while he's doing that, yeah. I saw I saw you had one place in, what was it, 18 with a, a bomb shelter in it? Um. Got a couple of those. What what is that like? Um, I, the, I, there's one house that I I think it's on the blog, with the bomb shelter, and it was oh my goodness the the basement was poured 16 inches thick. Well, no, there's a, a 16 inch slab between the top of the basement and the bottom. Okay, right right here, Brent. Okay, my buddy called me and asked me if I if I wanted the house uh, right next to. One of my notorious rentals. It was one door away, and the house they threatened to kill you on. It was two months later from that in- incident, and the neighborhood, for the most part, was looking a heck of a lot better. And then, oh yeah, does that okay. ring a bell? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I've done several videos. Why did the guy want to kill you? I've, see, here's the problem. I've had a couple of those stories. 
No. Um, so this this is one this is one of the house I bought for two hundred fifty bucks. Oh, I was shit. look I was looking at a really really rundown drug house, and it was a foreclosure. And I went out. Um, I actually live streamed it on my Facebook page, my rental Facebook page, just saying, "Hey, we're looking at this house for rental. Do you think you know we could make we could do okay with it?" Um, and I just was getting stared down by the neighbor there, just like you you shouldn't be here. And I, you know, I just didn't understand what was going on and. I went back home and called some friends and was like, I think I really want to buy this house. And they said, you know, you're three doors down from the worst drug house in town. I said, really? Wow. I said, he is like the kingpin. And I said, oh, that's crazy. And it was just was people in and out of there. They had a really, some really interesting vehicles, totally blacked out. Just is weird. So it was like the one-stop shop, right? And mm-hmm. 24 hours a day, seven days it's a week? very much so. <laughs> I got a call from the guy that owned that property, and he said, I just want out of it. Tell me what I have to do. And I said, well, how about you give it to me? And, you know, years ago, this that was from 2000. That story was posted on the blog in 2018. The story actually went down in 2017. And I never would have thought in a million years that you could tell somebody or ask them, just give me, just sign me the mortgage. I'll take it. Me neither. Even but, right now. <laughs> a lot of people are like, that could never happen. Well, put that guy in the... And put yourself in his shoes. You've got one of the worst drug dealers in town. Yeah, there's rumors he's killed people. He there there's been a dead body, at least one dead body, maybe more found in the backyard. Now, was that a situation like we see now sometimes, where the cops don't even want to deal with it? They don't even go in there to investigate it because it's they, just not worth it's it. Correct. It's very very difficult. This guy's been in and out of prison for the past four years, just in and out for the same stuff. At some point, the police departments get burnt out because the courts aren't doing anything. You got this guy selling fentanyl out of his port, his front porch, sitting on there with baggies handing him out, and you've arrested the guy 40. I pulled his record. I don't know how many charges he has. Maybe 50. That records. is so crazy to me. that This guy's selling fentanyl. And they they oh, let yeah. it go. And oh, yeah. if I'm a cop, I'm not going to keep going back in there yeah. either and risking my life for the $30,000 you are giving me. I'll yeah. go in once or twice because I took the job. I know yeah. what I got into. But after twice, that's that's exactly what happened. I don't know how deep we go into the story. So I, uh, the landlord's just like, I need out. And I said, Well, just sign me the sign me the sign me the deed. I called a buddy and I said, Can he just sign me the deed? And he said, No, give him two hundred fifty bucks. The IRS will treat it as an option agreement. So that when you take it over, the taxable value of the property is going to be less. So that's what I did. Interesting. Gave the guy two fifty. Took his mortgage over. What a deal for two fifty, man! Start dealing with the property. We rehab it, rehab it, rehab, it, and then they end up having a big shooting at the house. Oh, nice! After I had been there for like six months, and I, I've, the guy, the worst problem is the drug dealer was so nice. He was this nice older elderly. What he cook you dinner and everything? Like he was really nice. He's like Brandon. This is just my place and where I live. And he said, I know there's lots of things that people say about me, but I promise you, it's not all true. And I'm just sitting there having this nice conversation. He's got a like a mentally challenged son. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, he was the runner though. <laughs> well, you know, a, a lot of times when that comes up, they have one thing in them that they're just extremely smart at. Yes, and, and that was his. And he may have had that, you know, that was his gift. Geological gift where he just could see everything. You know, that, that's one thing with with uh, people that are unfortunately have a mental challenge. Mm-hmm. They also have one or two things that they're just geniuses in. Yes. And that's, and here's this nice old man. And I'm <laughs> like, and I'm having this conversation. I'm like, 
buddy, I'm like, this is going to end up bad. I'm like, they've <laughs> already found a couple of dead bodies. No, they haven't. I'm like, I have the, I have the police yeah. report. I have the, well, there was never a police report about it. The newspaper paper had done a story about it. And because I own my newspaper at this point, I know how to power search on Google to go get old archives from like 2015 when this guy lived in the house, like a dead body was found in the alleyway of blah, 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 of the street I have it all on. I'm like, that, there's no alley there. That's the yard. That's that's, that's, that's your yard, property. buddy. Yeah, that's yeah. my property. So I, I I went through all that research and figured I had the, all these conversations with them. I knew all the neighbors in the the neighborhood. They all say the same thing: get them out, get them out, get them out. And I get a frantic call at like eight o'clock the next day, and they say they they, they had their shooting last night. I said okay, and they said it was absolutely miserable. The the little boy is, or not little, I mean, he's like 18, 19 years old. He's running towards the neighbor house saying, help, help, help me. And the one dealer just sticks a, the pistol out the door and just unloads a full magazine. Oh, His general direction doesn't hit anything. I just mean, fires away. Just fires, Luckily, it didn't hit anything. Didn't hit anybody. The neighbors, that the, the, the boy that with, that's mentally challenged, he's running, doesn't get hit, ends up in the neighbor's house, is hiding in there. They call the cops. The kids go, or it was a group of three guys from another town. They took, like, I heard $250, $300. And they run out. Um, police show up. Brandon, you know when you hear these stories, you're just like, really? Uh, I've got a lot of them. And it's, it, I'm it, sure you do. It's one of those things where yeah. you, you, I, the first time it happens, like, how can anybody live like this? The When you're at, like, the eighth or the tenth story, like humanity really sucks. Yeah, like, I just I want I want to try and fix these situations, but I'm at a point now. I'm just like, I can't fix them. It is what I it can, is, right? You I can try to help. Right? I can document them, and I've gone overboard for people and really tried to help people, and it just like it doesn't didn't do me good. Gave people housing that needed it because they were they were recovering drug addicts, and I thought that they were on the right path, and it didn't help either. So I'm at a point this point. I'm like I'm going to target my help, and that's going to be that, and then my managers are going to be ruthless. And then I'm just going to wash my hands over that whole segment. I don't want any direct contact with the tenants anymore because they, if they get to me, then they'll start giving me their sob stories and I feel bad for them and I might try to help them. You might give in, right? I so, might give in. So then in that case, you would get a property manager, right? Yeah. So then the property manager has to deal with all the BS and yeah. you only have to deal with the major stuff. Yes. And that's yeah. how we, that's yeah. how we are now. And I'm like, I don't want my tenants to contact me. No, like I, I, I started when I started landlording. I'm like, I'm gonna be the landlord that everybody can call. It's super easy to get a hold of me. Mm. I mean, but friends of my landlord. It's like when I got 100 phone calls in a day, people begging for properties. They're in going to live in a tent. They're homeless. Husbands had a heart attack. You know, people that even knew my dad and his situation. Like we knew your dad. I had a call like that last week. I know your dad, and I know you're a nice young man. I know you'll help me find a house. I'm like. Been evicted three times. <laughs> I cannot fix that. You've been evicted three times. Your credit's five ten, and you got ten dollars to put up. You know, just joking, but you know, no hundreds of calls like that. Oh, that. absolutely. I, mean, I get dozens of calls. I used to get dozens of calls like that with the manager. She's very cut. We have a twenty dollars application fee. We don't check your credit score as much as we want to see evictions, collections, and unpaid credit card bills. Those things do affect your credit, but if it's like medical debt, I don't care about. If you have student loans, I don't really care about those either. And those will drag down your credit score a bit, but I want to make sure you pay your bills on time. And we have these documents that are in the company say, this is how you judge a tenant. This is what we do, and this is what we don't do. And I have some ultimate oversight on my my property manager who's helping me go through the list and everything like that. But 
in between requiring application fees and um, just setting a higher expectation, the business is doing really, really well. You know what's ridiculous with the credit thing? So say I have American Express, mm-hmm. okay, and I run it up to 100000 and pay it off. So I use it for business. I spend 100000 I pay it off. My score goes down. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm paying it at the end of the month, that midway, my score will go down 40, 50 points. But now I've been paying it off forever. But whenever there's money on there, it goes down. It's insane. Even though by the end of the month, it's paid off. Yeah. What, why the hell is that? It's just they're, it's they're just it's the a way computer to... program, and they look at it from a high level and say, well, the people that pay their bill off every month, they're a – I don't know. I think the reason for that, if if my, my memory of justification is right, is that by doing that, you run a risk of maxing out your credit card one month and then just – having a major life event and then never paying it off. And at that point, if you have a $100,000 limit on your Amex, there's a chance that you're going to run $100,000 up. And run. And you run, yeah. Because I think they used to say, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, to always keep like a 10% balance on it. Like pay it off, but keep a 10 or 15% balance. It's, I mean, how much of an effect does that really have? I've, I've, I've heard that before. And from a procedural standpoint, I think that you still get the effect if you have 15 bucks on there. Like, it's not 10%. Just keep some little tiny balance on there. Yeah, it sucks. You're going to have to pay interest fees on it. But I know on my cards, I always have like $500 that I forget to pay or just something happens that I don't pay $500 on it. Man, my credit score looks great. Yeah, it really it's good great. that you forget to pay it, right? Yeah, or, so it's not you know, too knock bad. It out. I, I, I knock out 90, 99% of the, the money on the, the card. But then there's always this little hanging balance. And I know that... One of the major credit bureaus is trying to fix that. They want to do away with your current balance owed, and they want to do like a 12-month rolling average. So do you max your cards out and you just keep that money there, pay the interest on it, and you use that as essentially like um, lifestyle drift? Like cost of living almost? Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of – you make the payments on it, but you max out your credit your credit card people do that i mean my parents did that yeah because they're, they're using it to pay bills yeah you know, that, a lot of people that I yeah growing up did ju- they did that they did so. yeah. and then every so often they might declare bankruptcy and they start the whole process all over again can you still do that uh chapter six thing remember you used to go to that yeah. used to go to well, it, there was one you could do and then wait five years and yep. you'd be good again it's chapter seven seven yep. and then which is one that you can't 13 13 three 13 is a restructuring um seven i believe it's just the whole 13 thing. you're doomed right you, just about but the seven you can come back from after yes. like half a decade yeah yeah, um, yeah and, and most of the people i know did chapter seven and they they've they've changed the laws back and forth several times you can still do a chapter 13 and i do believe with that if the bank finds that you're destitute and you can never recover from that they'll wipe them out that the same way too see that scares me too because when you wipe that out somebody has to pay to wipe that out it's not like it just disappears, you know, and then that just adds to everything else. Yeah. So now you also have, among many, many things, you have Brandon Stocks. Like on your website, you have Brandon Stocks? Yeah. It's just a free stock education course that I go through because, not to be mean to other YouTubers, but I run into some guys that are giving out really, really bad um, stock investment advice. And I've compared my portfolio to theirs. And I, I want to say, like, in 2020, I averaged, I think I did, 68% returns that year. Really? And um, there was a guy that I had on my personal private Discord, and he was comparing my portfolio, Brandon's boring stock portfolio, and he was comparing it to two or three big stock analysts. 
And the other stock analysts did better than me, but they were all, we were off like 1%. Wow. And he said, Brandon, I paid this guy $700 for his investment course. Sure. Yeah. And I, he said, your stocks are just about as good. And he said, I think that as time goes on, because I'm real, I was, I've been really heavy on commercial REITs, he said, I think that when the market turns around, if we have a, some really big sell. I'm sorry, what's a commercial REIT? A commercial REIT, they go and they buy uh, like the big, giant, high-rise apartment complexes. They'll buy shopping malls. Okay. Uh, they'll buy retail strip malls, um, anything like that. And they might buy a marina down here. Um, they they buy larger commercial buildings. Like a Simon's? I can believe how big they were. Like yeah, Simon's Simon has Property a, Group. Yeah. yeah. And they have a lot of stuff. Yeah. I could not yeah. believe how big they are. That wow. was that was one of my twenty twenty picks with Simon Property Group. And then Good uh, pick. Then the other one was Realty Investment Corps. Yeah. So what I do is I pick like I take like thirty five to forty percent of my portfolio and I buy stuff that I'm really, really passionate about. I'm passionate about real estate and I'm passionate about Tesla. Those are like my those are the things that I like. Then the rest of it do not get emotionally involved just by ETFs, just by broad range ETFs like VTI and VOO. And then dollar, dollar cost average on everything, the things that you're ultra passionate about that you can nerd out about. And I'm, I'm an unbelievable Tesla fan. And I'm, I like REITs. And I went to a buddy of mine that he's like an active manager for a REIT. And I asked him specifically, I said, I can't go through and figure out what REITs I should buy. You tell me the, your top three. And it was Simon Property Group, Realty Investment Corps, and I can't remember the other one. Yeah, Simon. <laughs> the Gardens Mall is Simon. They're Simon. Boca Raton Mall is Simon. Um, Philly, the biggest mall up there. King of Prussia, that's Simon. I mean, they're huge. I think they got the other one down here, too. And uh, maybe it's Coral Gables. It's the one where you walk in and you better have 20 grand in your pocket or you might as well just walk <laughs> right out. And if you're taking your wife or your girl, you better have a lot in there. Cause, That's crazy. But uh, they own that one, too. And I was, yeah. Simon, and, Simon's a beast. And Simon will sell something when they see the market going wrong, the wrong way. If they think they can make money and they don't, see, they don't like it. Because they sold one of the biggest uh, shopping malls near me. And it was like, they must have seen the writing on the wall. They sold for $45 million. And now they can't even find a, the new purchaser cannot find a buyer at $15 million. Wow. It's decreased. Astronomical. Oh, that's right. They own uh, Ventura down here too, oh, which, nice. which is another massive, massive, massive. I mean, they I, all, anything big like from here down to Miami with like high end stores, it's all Simon. I don't know how it's not a monopoly. I don't know. They, I guess you get enough uh, like mom and pop like strip malls. I guess you can they, find it. Yeah, maybe know. so. But they have them all over the United States, and they're great they, malls too. And they have a they have a lot of holdings, I believe, in New York too. So it doesn't surprise me that they're down here as well. So it's like I, I called a buddy of mine that manages REITs and said, who should I buy? And he gave me his top three picks. I bought them for my stocks, and I nerded out on Tesla and everything else. I do dollar cost average, and that's it. Like I've given you the whole entire training course here sending, and we've been here for like six months. Yeah, pull up uh, tab one and uh, Brandon's stocks. Now, you have uh, Robinhood on there. Yeah. I've heard so much terrible stuff about Robinhood. Is, is it that terrible or is it? I've got all my friends to sign up and I got like $1,000 in free stock from them. And I think, I can't remember which social media platform I talk about doing Robinhood. I really you have it on here. Yeah, I know I have it on there. Yeah. But there's there's other stories that I have attached to these stock companies. Like I've met all the people from public. I really, really like them. You really did this well, though. But like the way you get ten dollars in free stocks, yeah. your choice—it's a—it's a comfortable way to get into it. Yeah. So, like, if you go through the whole stock thing, you get like between fifty and a hundred dollars worth of free stock. Now, do you have deals with these companies? Yeah, like I get people? a referral fee for everything. Do you really? That's yeah. cool. So, I personally have money in every single one, 
and I have some social media. I can't remember. I, I can't remember whether it's an Instagram post that I've done, but I have all these funny little stories that I have with these different companies. So like, I really hated Nikola, the the company um, that uh, made um, the company that said that they were going to revolutionize electric cars more than Tesla. Right. And I've watched their like live streams <laughs> and like they're the freaking scammiest people ever. They're talking about energy efficiency on their battery systems that Elon, who I trust a lot, Me says we're not, we're not going to have for 20 years. So if this guy's saying we're going to have something in one year and Elon and a lot of other scientists say we're not going to have it for 20 years, I'm going to go with Elon and the, and the scientists and the engineers that are doing it, not this guy out here that's try- running everybody else down. I'm going with whatever Elon says because yeah. to me he's either an alien from another planet or he's just like re- insanely smart. Insane, yeah. like the Steve Jobs of yeah. today, but times even a yeah. hundred. You yeah. know, and that—that's where I am. I'm not. So, I'm not totally not sold on the alien thing either. But I mean, he's just one of the most brilliant minds in this. You know, my- yeah. And I actually don't think he's an alien. I just think he's just really, really mm-hmm. smart. And what what I really love about him is that, like Twitter, it wasn't for money. Yeah. It, it was for civilization. If you really listen to him and and comprehend oh, what yeah. he's saying, because there's no democracy. If like he like he said the exact words yeah. brandon i don't like you well tommy i don't like you too if you can't have that in a, in a democracy in life yeah. there's no human interaction you have to have that i agree and that's why i like these kinds of podcasts the long format podcasts and that's why i like watching joe rogan that's why i like listening to elon because he will he'll you'll give the other side at least a little bit of room to talk about what their problem is and for me, I don't think a society or civilization can advance unless you have some back and forth. And with Twitter and Facebook and to YouTube, an extent to YouTube, but I don't feel like YouTube's as bad as other platforms. TikTok's there. Anything that goes against the grain that might be con- contrived as negative or as bad, whatever, based on the popular to- thing at the time, that thing can be just totally shut down, just absolutely destroyed. And in order for civilization to advance, you have to have some back and forth. I, you know, it's hard for me to come up and make a decision on some, whether something's good or bad by just hearing one side of the story. And even then, if you decide that when you engage in non-conversations and you listen to only one side, and then you buy into that one side of the story, it's just it can become so absolutely miserable. It's crazy because you know these people they'll buy into the one side and then they're stuck on it. Mm-hmm. And even if you their mind is shut and now you have no way to try to reopen that mind because now they're down that wormhole and you're not getting them out. Yeah. And I've had conversations cause I'm a big science and space and astrophysics type guy. My bro- brother, <laughs> my brother has built, um, the NASA calculations for landing on the moon inside express an Excel spreadsheet that's just to see if it works. Yeah. So that's, that's something my brother did in his spare time. And, um, I don't understand astrophysics to that level, but I've got enough um, understanding through playing video games to have conversations about how things work. And I've had conversations with people about, you know, the moon landing was fake. It was on a sound stage in California. I'm like, I am not the guy you want to have that conversation with. And then their comeback is, well, why? Have you been on the moon? No, but I can show you how to do the calculations. I can show you my brother's spreadsheet. I can show you that those calculations were determined like 50 years ago. It'd be kind of weird for them to all to work perfectly if it wasn't a theoretical uh, mathematical model that worked pretty dang well. That can't be true. You know, 
Sure. How, <laughs> how does it work then? I got lucky enough. I don't know how this happened. So early on in this, I had a drummer in. His name was uh, Russell. I forget. Sorry, Russell. I forget his last name. Mm-hmm. He was a drummer, big time drummer, really nice guy. But interesting the way he did his drums, and he mm-hmm. came. It was just like an overall interesting story. So he says, "Hey, I know this guy named Robert Beto who works with Elon Musk." Hmm. I said, "And now I'm a space guy. You yeah. know, we were yeah. talking before." Yeah. Yeah. So he says, "Do you want me to get him in? He's in town, but he's not here long." This guy comes in, Brandon. My jaw was like down to here. <laughs> he was all about the space time continuum. He literally proved, I mean, it's undeniable with the charts that he had and the pictures that the Big Bang never happened. It's hard to comprehend, but four hours with him. And then he's like getting calls because they were doing the uh, the thing for the speed of light. They were shooting okay. it back and forth. Okay. And he had gotten it to like 99% of the speed of light. And this was about a year ago. Huh. And the issue that they had was when he had left here, he went to fly to do the final testing on the... Uh, What's that big thing? The C is the, CR the thing where oh, they shoot the thing oh, with the atoms. Yeah, it's the particle accelerator. The particle accelerator. Through that, <clears throat> they were developing a way to go at the speed of light. Okay. So he was all pumped like the last hour because he had gotten you know the message that it looks like we're at ninety nine percent. Then as he he was excited and he was talking, you know, the universe never began and never ends. It just really makes you think. Then he was like, oh, now we got to figure out how to get through the matter. Well, Elon is building his own molecule to get through the matter because now you have the speed of light available to get to where you want to get. Okay. But you can't get there because if you spit at the spaceship, you're going to blow it into pieces. Yeah. Going at night, you know, the speed of light. So while he's doing Tesla, Neuralink, Twitter, SpaceX, he's also making his own molecule to get through the matter and developing. A, a different type of space station for the moon to launch oh, from the moon yeah. over to Mars. Yeah, I mean, this guy is... Yeah, that's the lunar gateway. Yeah. Whew. Do you think he buys anything else? Like, do you think he buys any um, other social media platforms? I saw he put a toll, uh, poll up for uh, Spotify. Um, like, he he has supposedly some phantom accounts on Reddit. I don't know if you got, you're, you, you're on Reddit often, but there's memes on there that the only way that he got those to repost on his own Twitter was to grab them off of Reddit. There's quite a few people that have kind of connected the dots. He's got like a couple different phantom accounts. I have a feeling like if he would not have bought Twitter, he may have considered buying Reddit because he could have got a deal with it. But the silly thing is there, from my understanding, one of the big principal investors right now in Twitter, or not Twitter, Reddit is the Chinese government. Really? Yeah. Wow. They're huge. They're huge, though. So you you look at all the dark money, the kind of things. And like I said earlier, I'm not a huge believer in gigantic conspiracy theories. But one of the big voices against Elon buying Twitter was one of the Saudi Arabian princes. And Elon Elon and this guy had this back and forth on Twitter. And the, the prince said, you should no person like this should ever have access to a social media platform. And Elon said, can you show me a social media platform that has free speech in your country of Saudi Arabia? Yeah, there's no response there. I didn't think so. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was kind of a wild exchange, but then you find out this guy owned 2.5% of Twitter. He also had access to a lot more money than that should something have to go on. And there's kind of this voice in the background that says, well... He wanted to try and buy it too to take it private, but Elon can beat everybody the punch just because he has so much. 
capital that he can leverage to to buy things. Yeah, but how much liquid does he have though? Uh, yeah, he might be the richest man in the world. It's but like thirty million dollars, but they in liquid, right? You, the yeah, rest is tied sorry, up in assets. Thirty billion billion yeah. in, in liquid, but they said that he went to Morgan Stanley and took his Tesla stock portfolio, which is worth you know one hundred fifty million dollars, one hundred fifty billion dollars, and got an equity loan for that based on a stock. So they can seize some of his stock should Tesla he'll get a margin call. But you don't think he'll buy any any other social media platforms? I don't think at this point. I think that with um Elon at the helm, I think that Twitter could just absolutely destroy everybody else. That's why I haven't been on Twitter pretty much ever until I heard that Elon was going to buy it. And then I realized I probably won't get canceled on there, so I should probably post my Yeah, comments. I think he steps in in about two weeks. Yeah. You know, he, he's still he's messing with things now. He's probably got the algorithm, but he really gets it in two weeks. I think I have he's heard slow. that they have went in and they've deleted so much stuff. Oh, Twitter. I'm sure. Because, well, when he makes an open source, you can see everything. So yes. they're probably going like this 100 miles an yes. hour right now. Because there's a lot of people that have, have been had shadow banning. Yeah. And it's not like I like Tucker. Tucker Carlson and that kind of mainstream media segment of of media. But he was not getting any interest and no one was watching his posts. And there's an algorithmic way to look in and look at his average number of likes, average number of new account follows, how many people are actually seeing his content that he's posting on Twitter. And it was very subdued compared to he's on Fox compared to another anchor on, say, CNN or MSNBC with a similar follower count and their engagement rate is like 10 times, 20 times higher. At some point, it's just like somebody hit a button and unsuppressed unshadow banned him. Unshadow banned him when they let and, him back in. And then all of a sudden people can see his posts. Yeah. So the thought process is there that when Elon takes over, he is going to make the algorithm, like you said, open source. So if you don't want those things to come on the public light, you need to delete them. There's quite a few people that are at the Twitter HQ or that have an understanding of how their servers work. And they've said that there's a cutoff point that if they delete it now, the source code, when Elon takes over and makes it public, they'll never be able to recover what that source code was. So they wanted like to, to get rid of the forensic evidence uh, that they were altering free speech and causing problems. You're still dealing with Elon. There might be a way to get it back. You better hit delete, 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 right? Yeah, it's it's hard to say. Did you think he was going to actually buy it? I don't know. I th I, I mean, like, in, in between, were you thinking, like, oh, he's actually going to do this? Or you, did you think he was just being funny, Elon? He's done so much stuff that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, he's got to be kidding. And then you find out he's not kidding. He wants. He hates the traffic in L.A., so he's going to build tunnels underground. He already started it. I, I saw know. it in the paper yesterday. But I think he started in Vegas, right? Yeah, he started in Vegas, and he's supposed to build. I one. About the tunnels, he's supposed too. to build one in Florida at some point. Yeah, they've already greenlit, and they've already set aside the money for an underground transport system in Florida, which is insane. Imagine that guy's head. Yeah, I mean, just imagine being in there. I mean, you're doing Neuralink, which is extremely, extremely complicated. Which you know, we both know, Big Pharma and FDA will block that as long as they can. I'm sure. Yeah, they big farmers kind of block that because now if you have Elon, they can come in and prevent cancer, prevent Alzheimer's. Now you can't drug everybody up, and yeah. big farmer loses billions of dollars. Yeah, they're 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 losing anyway, though. There's so many other startups that are out there. My friends, I've got friends involved in some other ones that are mostly dealing with like gut bacteria um, altering because they've determined that a lot of like problems in life are from having gut bacteria problems. And there's one of the old uh, founders of Google's big on it now where they go in and they change all of the microbes that are in your body and they, they just fix everything. They've That all stemmed from the fact that 
they f- determined a while back that people that were getting certain kinds of cancers, like a lot of different kinds of cancers, they had some sort of bacteria in their body, and it was either letting the can- it was causing the cancer to happen or it was letting it happen, and the people that just never ever get cancer don't have that. So I, I think a lot of it's genetics, and I think the other half is processed foods. I really think that's what it is because a hundred years ago you didn't hear about all this cancer and everything else. It was it was definitely much much lower than it is now. Yeah, but they've also looked at the people and there there's some the lifestyles. People, there's some people that just have bacteria in their bodies that can deal with the processed foods. It's not a lot of people, but this guy from Google has looked at it and said, well, you know, if we could clone the bacteria and we could give it to people that need it, then it wipes out both those problems. They've done a lot of testing where you've got certain kinds of mice that are prone to getting cancer and there's other mice that are not prone to getting cancer. And what they've done is they've done transplants from the all the bacteria in the body from one mice to the other mice. And even though they have a genetic predis- predisposition to get cancer or to not get cancer, they found out once they do the bacteria transplant, the other mouse Won't now has those abilities. It's not 100%, but it's like 80%. They did They did a similar thing with rats where they took the platelets. They took the platelets out of a younger rat and put it in an yes. older rat, and it actually, you know, whatever the correct wording would be, like de-aged the older yes. rat. Yeah. Which, and, that's, which we've known that forever. But. Yeah, they've, they've gotten that one determined pretty well, and it's mostly due to white blood cells. Right. Your body can remake red blood cells, but it's either very difficult or almost impossible to produce white blood cells. But when they put the platelets in, it sparks it up again yes. because it's a new platelet Correct. and you're, you're transferring everything out. Yes. On top of that, they can also clone them too. Yeah. And I've read that that's <laughs> the next big thing as well. You can just clone because cloned blood has been like a holy grail for a, an agency like the Red Cross when they need a lot of blood. Now it would be much easier to clone it than it would be. See, that's a great thing, but it's also a scary thing when you kind of think about it. You know, it's a great thing oh, yeah. to help people, but it, when you're able to clone blood, you're really put. You know, you're it's, really it's getting the, up there. It is an ethical question. That yeah, I cannot answer. It's a tough one, isn't it? It's, it's, it's tough it's because interesting. you know it's helpful to people and you can save a lot of people. But I mean, think like you're cloning blood. Yeah. You know, were we really meant to be cloning blood and play, you know, the the person who says, you know, we clone your blood and we make you young again and you yeah. have another 10 years or you, not, you know? Hey, buy some clone blood. You'll live forever. <laughs> I don't know if I believe if I live forever, I'll buy it. But that's, I don't believe that. That's, that's the uh, that's the claim that I'm hearing right now is from these people. It's possible. That's what they say. It's possible and if they can figure out how to clone white blood cells and other aspects of I it. I guess you could, but how would you keep the rest of your body together? So you could clone the blood and fix that, but the, then... The cloned white blood cells are what keeps your body able to repair itself. Even bones and everything else? Everything in the body. So it I guess that, that could keep you young That's enough. That's what it does. It's, and it's, your organs, right? Yeah, it's why nuclear radiation is so dangerous to human beings because it just destroys your white blood cells. Great point. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Another great point is you picked the best, in my opinion, the best investments you could pick as far as affordable investments that have a high percentage of success, Mm -hmm. like a vending machine, like a laundromat. Mm -hmm. We'll go to the laundromat because I almost bought one (laughs) before I moved. And the weirdest thing was when I went, when I did the math and I did the numbers, the laundromat, you make a killing. Mm -hmm. You make an absolute killing. Where I was going in, People would look at me, and people around me would be like, you're going to buy a laundromat? Like I'm like a bum, like buying a laundromat. But 
you know, I have the math. Yeah. You know, and I see it's there. I don't know if you you've ever experienced that that type of look and all these. Yeah, like, that's oh my life. god, Brandon, a laundry man. Yeah. What are you thinking? Oh, but little it's... do you know, if we even just pull up your one of your videos or your TikTok, I mean, it's like a you need a money counter machine for the thing. Yeah, it's it. I it's a, there's a stigma with so many different kinds. Anything that involve doesn't involve sitting at a desk in a cubicle in a suit or in a polo. Very frowned upon, and I have people that um, I haven't had anybody personally ride me down in the past year. But probably in the past year and a half, two years, even after all the social media fame, I've still get I have had people run me down saying, you know, Brandon, you would feel very much more fulfilled in life if you would stop working your companies and go back to college or go to college. Oh, if you had a, a break. If you had a degree, you would feel better. Yeah, Brandon, that'd be great. And then you have a student loan debt that you'll be paying for the next gazillion years if you don't oh. do what you're doing. In my opinion, they got really mad at me. I said, I, it's "Just too expensive." And they said, "Well, Brandon, you'd feel more Good fulfilled." Move. Good move. I, I said, "Yeah, but it's going to cost me fifty thousand dollars to get the degree and to hire the person to do the work for me." And they flipped out. Great comeback! Oh, they, come they back. got so ah, angry you killed them. You gave them a right, Brandon. Oh, you gave them a Mike Tyson right on they that They got one. so angry. They said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, I can go to WGU or Phoenix Education, Phoenix University. I can hire a kid from China oh, in Shen- Shenzhen. They're thirty five hundred dollars a semester, and I can get them to, I can get them to test out for me because I did the whole process." I think that guy's got to change his underwear now after like, you after you lit him up, huh? Like fifty grand. Oh no! Just Google do my do my online co- college. Yeah, do- dozens of companies will do it. You can pick your GPA and all that stuff. It's pretty cool. Unbelievable. Yeah. So now, if we go to uh, your website and you go to, uh, can you pull up tab one and go to uh, Laundromat Investment? Sure. So now, what is that course? That's take? my buddy's Danny. Uh, he is like the number one laundry mat con- laundromat consultant in the world. Yep. Go to uh, to the right laundromat investing. Down, down at the top, right, right. The, yeah, you can't top see it. right in between the down. Now I'll cut this, Brandon. Oh, right there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Laundromat investing. All right. Yeah. You want to explain this a little bit, Brandon? Okay. So uh, we got two things. We've got a teachable course where I do like paid mentorship type stuff, and another link in there is um, to my buddy Danny D'Angelo. He's the number one laundry consultant in the world, probably. Really? He, get, he gets on my case all the time. He's like, you aren't making anything in that laundromat. I'm making three, $4,000 a month, one one hour a week, if that. He's like, Brandon, you should be making forty grand a month off that place. And he's got this whole process, and he wants me to bulldoze the whole insides and read really? everything. Yeah. Because he's got a system, and he's, yeah. he can prove beyond proving, and I'm just not willing to do it at this point because – my perspective the videos on youtube pay really really well too go with your instinct right that's what got you here and and, and off camera he says things like that he's like i know it's clickbaity and you like the jangly quarters (laughs) you like the tiny little safe that you've got that only holds a thousand dollars in bills we did just buy one that holds up to 50 grand that's a good thing when when you need to buy that that's a good thing yeah yeah, we bought the big safe now so that's going to be revealed on the channel probably in the next two or three weeks now when you go to buy a laundromat what are you looking for? Like, number one, what are the flaws you're looking for that you want to run away from it? And what are you looking for that makes you want to purchase it other than location, obviously? Location, uh, if, the run, if the equipment's run down, that's fine. You just need to make sure that people know about it and can get to it because a lot the financing for equipment is so easy to get. And that was like the biggest problem that I had when Danny came on board 
to help me. He said, just call the company. Just call the companies. They'll give you all the money you want. And I kept thinking to myself, like, I'm a real estate guy. I, I know they're going to see this dumpy laundromat, and they're not going to loan me any money. I had no clue. I just understand that it's an equipment loan. It's not a real estate loan. They just they'll just loan on the equipment, and really? if you go under, they'll take the they'll, they'll take the washers back. Oh. Because of that, they'll just write you a big giant check for it. For they'll they'll just pay for everything. That sounds good to me, right? It, 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 it's <laughs> really good. So when we did the redesign on my laundromat, I went with you know twelve dryers, eighteen washers, and he kept he kept telling me, he says it's not enough, it's not enough, it's not enough, and now. I can look on my cell phone app of the, my laundromat and I'll see in the background every single dryer's in use. And I'm, we make, I think it's like $7,500 an hour just when those run. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And, and there's people lined up wanting to use them. And I, look, what do you have, three of them or one of them? How many laundromats do you have? I, I had three. I've, I'm in the process of selling two because we just could not get them fixed up. And, and, and the, to make matters worse, We've come to the realization that we that good parking is super important, and I don't have that on the two other locations. Uh, so I'm just selling them out, and I'm right now very very intent on buying some more some more laundromats. They're the locations. best. I remember when I was going to look for uh, when I was searching around the guy that I had coming with me. He was he was obsessed with the dryers. Hmm. He's like I don't know why, but, you know who knows? But it was just like if the dryers are bad, this is going to kill you. And he was checking the dryers, and I don't know whatever. It's a great investment. Yeah. So now on your site, on all the courses that you have, you have this Teachable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the you said it's the grit that you can't put on YouTube. What yeah. What is Teachable? Uh, Teachable is just, it's, it's almost like a YouTube, but it's kind of course-based where you can go through lesson plans. And I've got a lot of stuff that I can't post on YouTube. The big one's the car wash stuff. I I had to agree with my, my partner that I have on the car washes that I don't talk about the money that they bring in just because we do super well in the car washes. He's super worried that someone's going to come in and hit him and over there with a lead pipe and kill him. Yeah. And he's got a family too, just like me, and I, do, I don't worry about that stuff. He gets he flips out about it. So I had to kind of have this agreement with him that I won't talk about the money situation with the car wash unless I put it behind a paywall. So the Teachable is a paywall that you have to pay, and we talk about stuff like that. And on top of it, there's things that I just don't want to talk about on YouTube because I'll get demonetized. We had the conversation, oh, those own machines for dead bodies. Like, <laughs> don't talk about the dead bodies I've had to deal with on YouTube. I don't. Yeah, but what could you possibly say on YouTube that they wouldn't, they would have a problem with anything you would say? They, they, um, the advertising will, the advertisers will drop down on terms of, um, is that yours? <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> It's he's got aliens in here, man. <laughs> it's trying to it's trying to text somebody. It was it was. I hope that didn't text anybody about the. <laughs> it was trying to send somebody on my You're contact right list a message about dead bodies. Not good. Oh my goodness! There's several people I really I want to put that. Well, really, aside from that, Brandon, where were we? Yeah, where were we? Uh, um, um, about the demonetization on YouTube. I get really worried about it, but I think maybe as time goes on, I might feel more comfortable about doing it. I, I just don't see what you would do that they would, I mean, other than I've, you have a laundromat, you have stocks, you have real estate, you know, you're you're doing the click thing, but, yeah. but you're not doing anything insanely. I that get it, they but, would, I, but I had one that was demonetized probably two months ago, and it was revealing my illegal tiny house. And the premise- was, Revealing my illegal tiny house. The premise is I own a house. It's 500 square feet. It is illegal to build another one because it's too small. 
most municipalities in the state of Ohio have a limit on how small can you build a house. It's 900-ish square feet. So it's illegal to rebuild this house, and they're super affordable. They're efficient. They're great. They're great for me as an investor because I make good money on them. They're great for the tenant because there's a lot of people out there that don't need anything more than a one-bedroom place to live. A lot of people. And how much more awesome is it that you have a small fenced yard to your home? And I can do it, and I could profit. I figured out one day if I could build those how I have them, I could rent them for five to 600 bucks a month, and I can make all the money I'd ever want off of them. But I can't build them, legally speaking. So I had this YouTube video I showed and I set up, and it had the flag on there. You're talking about something that advertisers might not be interested in, the fact that I use the word illegal in the title. They actually call it just that yeah. and put it. I I had a I had a couple I had a couple and one was like a eight they did an eighteen year and older you know like we have to hit yeah. okay to proceed yeah. and it was it was ridiculous it was, it was a guy from Guest of Lyrics he was on Guest of Lyrics hmm. and he was a private investigator and on top of the private investigator he was like a like he would do interventions you know if you had a son or a child that you know maybe maybe you work at you know Cheney Brothers or you work at a big company where hmm. you wouldn't want people to know like your son or your daughter has a problem you kind of want to keep it quiet because you might lose your job as ceo you know you're you're up there in the company and you know how life works you know they the offices start gossiping you know do you know that tommy's son did this or daughter did this you know so they want to keep it quiet so then he would go and he would do interventions for these like more well-off kids And the only thing that I could think of in that entire three-hour video, because a lot of it was like the TV shows he was on, you know what I mean? That was at the end, was just that he went and was basically like, you're going. You know, like, he's a big, he, was, yeah. he was a big dude. So he would go up to the houses and he would say, look, we can do this the easy way or the hard way, that type of thing. That's the only thing I can think. That, oh, my goodness. That, because maybe they would have incited that as like a violent thing. That's weird. Because I watched it multiple times just trying to figure out where... Because, you know, they never tell you exactly yeah. what it is. And the only thing I can think is that when he said, look, if they don't want to... I walk up and I say, look, either you're going to... We're going to do this the easy way. We have a nice car out here. We got some water in here for you, a little something to eat. Or I'm going to pick you up and put you in, you know, in so many words. Or it's going to be a little bit rougher for you, yeah. you know? Huh. That's crazy. So, I don't know. Maybe because he tied a couple guys up and threw them in the car to get them better. I don't know. <laughs> You never know. It'd be great if you had justification for it, but I have a feeling if they told you justification, you probably wouldn't probably wouldn't be any better. No, because you would just be like, "What? Yeah. What are you gonna do?" Yeah. When did you notice YouTube starting to get really sensory? Um, it's always been the same. Yeah. I, it hasn't really changed too much for me. TikTok definitely was probably first part of 2021. It was like somebody flipped a switch. Where it just got censored. Yeah, it just, uh, I started getting videos taken down on a regular basis. You're you're promoting illegal activity, buying stocks. And what it is is because TikTok is heavily influenced by ByteDance and they're out of China. And the Chinese government has all these stipulations for ByteDance. What's ByteDance? It's TikTok in China. Oh, really? Just, there's, there's two, there's a TikTok brand, which is mostly outside China. And then there's bite dance that's big in China and like Indonesia and Vietnam. Now, do you think they just did that so they could put TikTok in America, even though it's yes. the code is one thousand percent China? Yep. China everything. Yeah. Have you seen the code in there? It's all fucking. It's, it's all China. Oh, it's the yeah. Same thing. So, so that's what they did. So they split yeah. it. They made TikTok like the U.S. Yeah. one. It's U.S. Yeah. And then to make it even look more believable, they came out with the other one just for China. 
But at least China has the brains to turn it off at 6 p.m. If you have a kid, I mean, I think that's smart. I think I think it's a I think it's a pretty good thing, but I also feel like it's a decision a parent should make. Agreed, because once you start that, once you put that implementation in, now you have basically communism. Yeah, yeah. and and it's going. It's already getting to the point where they're turning off people's computers because you play too many video games that day. It's like you know, I, not that I agree, and I I I've talked to this. I talked this over with a lot of younger kids. I'm like, you should not game for ten hours a day. You should not game for 14 hours a day but you know there's times that i've done it before and there's probably one or two times i don't regret it so <laughs> i i retract my statement because i don't think the government should do that i i like the idea of that yeah. but the parents should do yeah. that no. if, if it was a control that a parent can go in and enable great support it 1000 percent. I, I like doing being having that ability to do that with my kids isn't it so funny how the the attention span of of the younger generation is literally three minutes if that yeah you know it's just so funny how things change you yeah. know i oh i um i had heard studies done 20 years ago and they said that teenagers and younger kids have about 30 seconds of attention span so knowing that that study was done forever ago it doesn't really surprise me that things like tiktok work really well and youtube shorts and vines were huge yeah I remember years vines. ago yeah, yeah vine was huge now is it true because you have a gazillion you got a porpoise tick porpoise tiktok i think it's tab five you have what 2.3 million followers I just hit 2.9 congratulations yeah, cool. now was that something that you know, you're on TikTok, you're putting up the videos, you're putting up the clips, and then boom, all of a sudden it took off or it was on fire from the um, gate and just no, exploded? I think I had to post four before it really went well. Yeah, you're like almost my, at three million. Yeah, like my fourth <sighs> video did really, really well. And it, um, my fourth video, I think, had 150,000 views on it in the course of like two weeks, which is really good for me. EK, play the first one, the laundromat. 11.7 million views. Yeah, that's my best performing video I've ever done. Look at that. I hit 8 million views in the first day. That is so cool. Yeah, I was super happy about this one. And we were talking about it when we were in the lounge waiting to get on here. Yeah. I said this, I said the, the, the tweak that I did with this one was I made it and it was three minutes long, which is really long for TikTok. And then I took it in my, uh, edit, my editor software and I sped the whole thing up 20%. It's all, it, and I can see why I got 11.7 million views already because because of the speeding up thing, yeah. it, it hooks you. Yeah. So it ended up pretty well. I'm, I'm pretty happy. I've got almost 100,000 new followers just off this video, which is... So now what are you actually doing here? You're just emptying the I'm like, just the going money. through the laundromat. If you if the sound's enabled, yeah, I explained... Can you turn that up? <coughs> controller should be back yeah. there. I explained to people that we... It's were, on the controller. This was me going and um, restocking the machines with quarters... And pulling out the cash because I knew I was coming here to, to Florida. While I'm here, I'm and um, I knew we were going around on money. So we just had to go and put money in the machine. Because I haven't put the big safe in. Exchange. You, you put bills in and you get quarters out. I was going to say, I don't think you have a shortage of change. So if you're listening to this, we're watching Brandon and his uh, laundromat just collect money. Basically. What does that thing do? That's my uh, coin counter and sorter. You, we can't put quarters back in my exchanger. Look at I've, that. That thing's a monster. Yeah. The company that makes those got a hold of me, and uh, it's like, can we start sending these to you? Yeah. And if you want, I'm, I'm trying to build essentially functionality that's similar to a Coinstar machine where you go to the store and you dump your quarters and money in because those machines cost like 30 grand for them if you want to buy one. 
and I'm just not going to spend thirty thousand dollars on a piece of equipment like that. I won't either. So the company that made the the counter, I said, you know, I could get that same functionality if you gave me three machines, because then I can get quarters, nickels, and dimes, and it'll just sort and count all those denominations individually. So they they ended up sending them to me, and we are working. I've almost got it down now. If I one more day, I'll have it fixed. All integrated. Yeah, in. it's all integrated. Yeah, you just hit you'll hit the button to start, and it'll just count all the money. That'll be so nice. Yeah, it'll right. be really cool. Now, is it true on the TikTok that for the hashtag for you hashtag for you page does that really make a difference? It's a, really it, at one point it was like a hundred percent of the time, absolutely. And everybody started putting that on their videos. They tagged for you on everything, so they kind of debased it a little bit to where it doesn't have near that much power, but still pretty pretty solid. Because anybody that's watched a video tagged with for you or FYP also gets the potential to be served a, a video with that same hashtag as well. Because I see for you is however many billions mm-hmm. and then for you page. Yeah. Do you put both of them on all yours? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. But what was the abbreviation one? FYP. Is that better than the other two? Uh, you'd have to look at the statistics. It depends on the day. You're the one with the 21 million. So, yeah. What are you? Yeah. He's, <laughs> you got the millions and millions. Yeah. I, I, I don't look at it too much. I just know that I kind of alternate those hashtags. And, and when the higher it is in your title, like that title in the last the video we just watched was something along the lines of how much did the laundromat make and then hashtag FYP. So the earlier yeah, the it is. Earlier the earlier it is in the title, the better it is. Because what happens is then people start hashtag spamming. They'll put like 50 hashtags or however many they can get in there in the description. And what happens is it's, it used to be called keyword stuffing. Yeah. If you back 20 years ago, if you wanted to rank. Before for, there was tag. Because I do SEO too. That's, that's okay. my bread and butter during oh, really? the day. Yeah. So back then, hashtag. Like what was yeah. a hashtag, right? Yeah. Hashtags didn't exist, but uh, keyword stuffing sure did. I remember that back in the day when Yahoo was the largest search engine. Yeah. All they did was analyze your page for how many times a word was repeated. So then you go to the footer of the page and you would use your background collar and you'd stuff in mortgage mortgage information or buy real estate or you know used cars or whatever it is and you just you'd copy and paste that phrase a hundred times times. and it was always buy like buy real estate online buy real estate for sale online and then remember then the day they were like oh well we don't care about keywords anymore now we want meta meta description so then it was like you know buy laundromat at yeah. You know, Brandon Shop for ten dollars off at Brandon yeah. Shop. You know what I mean? Because you kept wanting Brandon Shop yeah. in the Dakota. It's just great. When they took away the keywords, everybody remember that. Everybody was like, "Oh my God, what do we that, do?" That was just a little bit before I started getting an SEO. Not a whole lot. When I got an SEO, everything was page rank, oh. page rank, page rank, page rank. If you can get a page rank ten link, and that's when they didn't care about do follows and no follows. And you could go in and you could game like Wikipedia and you oh, could get yeah. a link. Oh, Wikipedia. you used to be able to to manipulate oh, that like oh, crazy. Great. Now if you want to do a white hat, it just takes time. Yeah. And yeah. and that's where we're going to start SEOing our blog soon. And the way that I'm going to go about that strategy is totally different than I would have done you know, 15 years ago. Because those, those sites that I sold off, they were highly SEO optimized AdSense pages. Which is, you know, that's pretty easy to understand if you're into SEO. Yeah. 
but I built every single one of those pages through um, internal blog networks. Did you really? Yeah, this is why I have investmentjoy.com. The story <laughs> with that is I bought it at a domain auction because it had a pretty decent page rank and uh, page authority to it. What, what year did you buy? Uh, 2012 or 2012? Yeah, I bought a domain auction because it was a pretty solid domain name with yeah. backlinks and everything. That's what I was going to ask you because, you know, to get that as, <laughs> as .com nowadays, Oh yeah. I mean, you know. And then now did you have – the laundromats first or the vending machines first? Uh, it's pretty much the same time. About the same, same time? The same time. Um, and the same kind of basic principle, too. Yeah. I like the vending machine idea yeah. a lot. They're, we do well, and I've got vending machines in my car washes, too, and they, I've got like 17 or 18 vending machines in my car washes selling uh, like towels and wet wipes to get your windshield cleaned off and stuff. So take me through the process of, of the car wash and then to the vending machines because you, you partnered up with what, H2O? A company called uh, H2O? with Limitless H2O. Limitless H2O, oh, H2O. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, gosh, I don't know how much I can talk about that. All right, then don't, then no, don't. Okay. No, no, don't. It's, my buddy's got a company and we've he's got a product that I think's really good and it's just like... Leave it there. Yeah. I don't want to get you in any right, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. You, Let, I'll fly you back in when it's ready because yeah, it sounds like it's something really, it's really, really I'll, cool. I'll tell you when the, it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Myself on vending machines. Anyway, so uh, vending machines, um, they're easy to buy. It's just all about finding a location and finding a product that works. If you either put a vending machine in a location where people sit around a lot or you get a lot of foot traffic. And as long as you take care of those two things, you're fine. And laundromats get both of those. What's a vending machine like that? Like the one that we just saw in the video. What does that cost on average? Eight hundred bucks. Eight hundred dollars, really? I buy everything used. So the hardest part then is just how do you go about getting it in somewhere? So if you don't have your own laundromat, just negotiation. Negotiation. I like old school negotiation. Just showing up at a business. Hey, can I, I put my vending machine in here? And the answer is always no. Well, why is why is it no? And you know what, Brandon? When you show up in person nowadays you'll probably end up getting it because nobody does anything in person yeah, anymore. So when you show up and they say no it's, and you go back again and again. It's right? like shooting fish in a barrel. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we're doing now for my YouTube channel is letting people come to my area. And you pay me pay me a little bit of money, but you can come to my area and we'll shoot content together. And this guy, he's a big-time real estate investor. He wants to come and do some videos with me. He said, yeah, I'd like to come and do videos and we start looking for some high-end real estate. And I said, well, I'll make some calls for you. And I sent him the first lead that I got. The first response I got, I said, hey, I think I got, got you a qualified lead for a apartment complex for $1.2 million. And Ooh. it cash flows, and it was a really good return. He said, where in the heck did you come up with this lead? And I said, I like talking to people. So you went to them personally, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a person I know. I've known this guy for years. And he has the he has the Class A real estate in town. He is the best landlord. He has the nicest, cleanest rentals. And I just asked him, I said, how much would you want? And he gave me a price, $1.2 million. And that makes sense at one point two. So I sent it to this other real estate investor that's going to be spending two days with me. And he said, Brandon, you just accomplished what I wanted to with one phone call. And you have the investors, right? Yeah. Yeah. Killer. Yeah. Killer so, room, huh? I, I just, I just, I, he just can't believe that I can do this stuff. And I've told him, like, I really like personal negotiation and talking to people and networking with people. If I can get those answers and I keep, you know, I, before I, I, when I was in the hotel, I was going through my, um, my contact list. I've got like 2,500 contacts in there. And no one in there is going to be, no one is their name. It's, Eric Davis, YouTube cameraman. 
Yeah, so you, you I, know, because there's put, so many Eric's yeah, and... Yeah, yeah. I, I put their names in. Where <laughs> do I know them from and <laughs> yeah. how, you know, the guys, it's, it's, you know, the guy that I got the apartment lead off of that I messaged. It's so-and-so apartment guy, you know, a real estate guy. And I just have all these networks and I just try to remember everybody. I put notes in my phone of how I know them so that when I text them, hey, how's the kids doing? I had a question for you. And people love that. When you oh, can yeah. remember the name and something yeah. about them, you know, because I did it too with the, the SEO and then I had an engineering firm. And when you make a little note of what somebody says, like, oh, yeah. how's Samantha doing? And it's not like yeah. you don't care, but, yeah. you know, you have other things going on in life, but yeah. then you can revert back. Yeah. And then that guy that you're making a deal with, yeah. he's like, wow, this guy really did pay cared. attention. Yeah. And I did care. I wrote it down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'll pull up uh, 100 times vending. Yeah. So now if I take this, because I, I really, I know those vending machines are powerhouses. Yeah. So now I go here. Now break this down for me if, say, I do this. Yeah. So, okay. So this, I, I'm on uh, investmentjoy.com. So I got, go over to, I'm sorry, just got, so what people are listening to know where we're at. Okay. I go over to 100 times vending and go ahead. You take it from here. Okay. So this is the product. This I've got two breakaways. One of these is to send them to my buddy's company that I think that he's going to make. The, the long story short with 100X Vending is I think that we've got a product that we can put in vending machines and we can sell $10,000 a month in product per vending machine, wow. which is a tall claim. But I ran into a lady uh, a year or two ago, and she did it in her laundromat, and she makes more off vending now than she does off her laundromat. So that's wow. one off jump from there. Then the other off jump is something we have called vendingriches.com. And you, you're either going to opt into one of those two things, 100x vending, or it's just going to send you over to vendingriches.com. And that's my vending course. It's free at this point on how do you find a vending machine? How do you make sure it works? What kind are good? What kind do you hate? How do you negotiate with somebody? So it's like it's a real quick um, boiled down conversation with people of how I do my vending business. So if I wanted to get in on that vending, vending times 100, right? Yep. And with the H2O product, yeah. you know, it's coming out. And then you have the form, yes. right? You log in, you sign yeah. up, and it's a beta, it says beta at the top. Yes. Okay, so I would fill out the form mm -hmm. and then submit it because it says, what, a couple months yet before it's released? Yeah, it's still going to be a couple months because he's, he's in product development hell right now with it. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, they always are, right? Yeah. So then what are you going to do? You're going to go through all the applications mm -hmm. and then, okay, this one goes over here, this yeah. one goes to, and then you'll narrow it down. Yeah. Now, how, how many um, investors do you think you'll take? For Limitless HEO? No, or? no, for the uh, vending. Vending. It's, yeah, so if you if the vending HEO that's done, it's ready to go. I don't have a limit. I don't think I have a no limit. limit? No limit? So 5,000 people fill it out and there's 2,000 that you think are, oh, are qualified uh, I, I, prospects. Yeah, I might. Maybe I'll limit it to 1,000. <laughs> Be careful. That's the problem that I have a you got two million on you, gonna, you got 2 million on TikTok. You yeah. got a million on that's, YouTube. And we're trying to build customer intent right now. Yeah. I've got a crew working in the background right for me. The goal is to figure out everybody that comes in off social media with me is to figure out what product do I need to connect them with. And I never would have thought about it in a million years, but they were going over call center pricing and actual sales agent pricing. And it is so cost advantage advantageous to have somebody actually have a conversation with somebody that works for me and say, Hey, how can we help you? How can Brandon with investment joy help you? Well, I want to, I want to look at vending. Well, okay. We're going to connect you with, this as opposed to the google form that's on there right now with 100x vending you're actually going to get a calendly link for like a five minute phone call with one of the sales team and then they're going to go over your your goals do you want to do you want to learn how to negotiate on vending machines if you want to do that then we're going to 
give you to this product if you i love the idea because it, it's a win it, you, i don't see how you can lose on a vending machine as long as you have like the right a decent location and you take care of it i don't see how you can lose the the worst problem that i've seen with people that follow me on on social media because i just hear every vending story good and bad is the people that go out and they buy a ten thousand dollar vending machine and i, I have that conversation with them like, what what did you do? Why did you get a vending machine for ten thousand dollars? Well, I thought this is what they cost. That's what I thought too. Yeah. When, I, when I asked you, I thought at least five, yeah. minimum five. Brand spanking new from the factory, five thousand dollars. But there are retailers that charge ten thousand for the same thing. But I like used machines mostly because you buy a machine for eight hundred or a thousand dollars that's slightly used. It's never going to go down in value. There's just a minimum price that those things are going to sit at for all eternity. Eight hundred thousand dollars that price point. So the worst case scenario is you put it in a crap location, doesn't sell anything. You go and you put it on Facebook Marketplace. After three months, you get your money back and you dump say, it. Nah, do something else. Now, what do you think out of the two is a, like a soda machine more profitable than a snack machine? I would assume that the soda machine would be double because it has to be cold, but maybe it's, not. You know, I don't know. I've talked to people and they would never touch a, a snack machine and they only do soda. And I run into other people that do. Um, the inverse of that, and they just swear one or the other. I'm doing great with a, one TikTok video. You'd see they they did about the same. We did, you know, gosh, it's like fifty bucks a day per group. Ideally, you would want both of them, right? You would want the snack and and so. But yep. you know what you're talking for maybe twenty five hundred dollars. You mm-hmm. have both. Yeah, you can have both. And then you just have to get. And then I guess you have to make a deal with the distributor, right? I don't. You don't. No, I just go to Sam's Club and buy everything. Do you really? Yeah. I hate distributors. I hate them too. I had a beer and wine license and that used mm-hmm. to pit. I had these bars and I'm sure you know, but the distributor would come and say five cases of Corona would be, let's just say $26 from the distributor. Mm-hmm. But I can go to Walmart right down the street yes. and I'm paying for this beer and wine license, but I can go to Walmart or Costco's or wherever yeah. and it's eighteen seventeen. Yes. So I don't have the bars anymore. I got rid of them. So what I used to do <laughs> is I would buy, say, three from the distributor and then go buy three from Walmart. I think every bar on the planet does the same thing people, because they kill you. Yeah, they do. Um, a lot of people I've run into do that with even sodas and drinks. With alcohol, it's worse. It's very, very bad. Even a bottle. Like, because in uh, Tampa, we had liquor because I had a mm. partner over there. Mm. Man, it's insane. Yeah. You know, like, so if you go over here and, and if we had, like, an, an event, okay, and we have a VIP party, you know, everybody wants mm. the Patron or whatever. Sure. I can go in to the ABC Liquors and get a decent bottle of Patron for $70, $80, right? Yeah. From the distributor, I think a I think a fifth was $50 more hmm. than like the wine and spirits or, or whatever, literally. And that was across the board. That's crazy. Vodka, everything else. That's it was just nuts. And then I'm paying them again to come house with me if the, if the hot water's hot enough. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> And I've had that conversation. I'm trying right now to snipe a uh, business. It's one vending machine out in front at one point did $3,000 a month in sales. Damn. Like insane. And I've asked the guy, I'm like, can I do this? Can I take over your location? He says, well, I got a distributor agreement. And he says that I can't have what you're proposing. So I I have looked to the point of trying to figure out, can I sp- do a lot split? Can I buy your yard? So that I can put vending machines right next to your beer carryout, because they the Pepsi. If you do that, you'll kill. The Pepsi distributor has it has the two Pepsi machines out in front of the place. You'll kill if you do that. Yeah, 
I almost bought this liquor carry out just for the vending machines in front. That would really take off. <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what time you would want to go empty that machine, but uh, that would definitely work. Because yeah, I, I, I like finding people that get angry about stuff with money, and the guy was, I have to restock this machine every single morning. Why do you have to stop restock it every single morning? Because it totally sells out. Darn. Yeah, that's a that bad sucks. Thing? It holds two hundred and sixty cans of drinks, <laughs> and why you're and you're complaining about restocking my it. My question is, why don't you <laughs> buy the one that holds a thousand? Oh, yeah. And you're doing it every three days. Uh, that sounds like a lot of work. Less work than you coming out every morning at five o'clock with ten cases of drinks and restocking your machine. But people just don't think about like oh, that. Oh my goodness, it's it's incredible how and, many businesses. And it's got to be frustrating for you because you're you're basically mentoring people. And it's such a simple thing they could cut their time in half and they could then take that time and put it yeah. into pushing the business more, yeah. you know, or take the capital and reinvesting it. Yeah. You know? we, we get back to um, baby boomers transfer of wealth to yeah. Gen X and millennials and Gen Z's even. I look at that transfer and there's just so much money out there to get so much wealth. What I thought was fantastic about your site, and I'm not saying this because you're here, but when I was reading through it all, you were very uh specific about being transparent about the pricing and you didn't just give the price like most do like oh it's this and we bill on this date i mean you literally spent time and put two or three paragraphs that i read in detail of how it's billed and i thought that that was really respectable because especially now in 2022 (laughs) you're about one in a million that are going to break it down you know i'm right okay one in five hundred thousand that are going to break it down like that so before you do anything, look, here's the deal. And if you like it, hit the button. If you don't, you'll be back. <laughs> I'm trying not to sell sell myself out too bad. So, Well, I, I think it's really a respectable thing. And, you know, I, it's awesome because you don't see that a lot anymore. You don't see that old school honesty that, that we used to see growing up. Hmm. And now it's just all. Why do you feel that way? You're the only one that has said that to me. Well, yeah, I like loyalty. You know, loyalty, I think that's lacking more than ever now. Hmm. I don't even I mean, loyalty, people are like, what's loyalty? Now, you also do a social media course. Yes. Okay, tell me about that. Um, The social media course, we're really going to redo it. Um, I own the newspaper, right? And we have one of the largest social media profiles in the region. Congratulations. On on Facebook. And it's all due to the news. And I get a lot of complaints where people are like, oh, this YouTube thing or this TikTok thing is a one-off. And my statement is I have one of the largest real estate Hold Social on, Brent. Uh, excuse me for interrupting. Why? Why do they say one off? What do they mean? Because one off? I can't ever do it again. Why not? There, I mean, just, you have to realize that there's a lot of people out there that say that when, in social media or business, people get lucky. That they just—it's some luck thing. It's like rolling the dice. Really? And that's and that's it. I mean, <laughs> with the number of people that I get, I'm almost at a billion views right now on social media, and that it's a very pro- prolific thought process of you. This is you, this is luck, and I said, you know. Here's the thing. I've run into social media guys with almost a million followers on TikTok, and they can't, they haven't made a dollar off of it, and they can't figure it out. And no matter what I do, they won't listen to me. But then I, I go in with these other social media assets. My real estate company, we're one of the largest real estate pages in the state of Ohio. I've got my newspaper, which is one of the largest. We beat out very regularly on social media the Columbus Dispatch, which is the oldest wow. newspaper in the state. And we just there's there's weeks that we've 10x them. Because, like, just simply with uh, Facebook, they can tell – they'll give you a traffic report for your competitors, and they'll show you where – how many accounts your account reached versus everybody else. 
and we won't beat out like the CBS and the NBC affiliate, but we we beat out um, the newspaper very regularly. And I've mentioned to several people, it's like, look, I've got my newspaper, I've got my real estate page, I've done this quite a few times, and people just they don't really really grasp that concept of hey, this is this is a this there's a system there's a plan. And you can go through this. And with the social media course, which I've got, I think that's still free on there. That is just kind of me breaking down all the thoughts of how I build pages and websites. And I use a systemized process to just continually grow. Now, if somebody gets a million followers or views on TikTok, how do they not make any money? What are they doing wrong that they, they're not making anything? Well, they you on TikTok, you only make like two cents per thousand views-ish. Depends on your page. And there's some caveats on there. So if you have a video... They gets a million views. I think you make like twenty bucks. Really, on a million views. A million views. Wow. But the I've had that conversation with people. I said you have influence though with those people, and you've got to find a product to promote to them or sell them. And then it's like a deer in the headlights. Like they just have no clue of what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, because well, it's like YouTube. You can't depend on YouTube to to yeah. support you. I don't care if you got a million subscribers or a million yeah. views or not. You need sponsors or like like you have. Like you use all the power from your YouTube to kick it over to your websites. Yeah, right. You yeah, know? and we're doing really well with that. And um, congratulations. But it, it's funny when somebody says to me, "Oh yeah, I make this much on YouTube." No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't, pal. No, yeah. you don't. <laughs> But with the sponsors and when you when you yeah. do it like you're doing it, yeah. yeah, you can, but not from YouTube alone yeah. or TikTok or whatever else yeah. it may be. Yeah. So, uh, so I've got that social media course. We just kind of lay it out to people and explain how it works. And then you also have your uh, landlord. Yeah, the landlord. That, that landlord boot camp. That scares. Just hearing that scares yeah. me because uh, I had this old man. We used to call him. He's a real jerk now, but we used to call him Wall Street Gary, and he was uh, he was a landlord, and then. For whatever, I guess he was getting bored being a landlord. So then he went from landlord to landlord and property manager. Mm-hmm. That's how I knew about the property manager. Huh. And he used to tell me horror stories. Yeah. And I had one friend, but he he told me horror stories, but he enjoyed it because he liked people and he liked to talk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I had another friend that hated his life. Hmm. He, like being a land, maybe he just had a bad, yeah. you know, set of places or whatever but i mean hated it hated it hated yeah it. i think that the problem is if you don't have a good system in there it'll destroy you and that's kind of where i was getting close personally is dealing with you know the the murder house and people shooting each other <laughs> the little um mentally challenged boy that's going and running fentanyl to people's cars <laughs> yeah you know that's like oh that'll that'll destroy your life yeah. or you know the the prostitute that's living in the shed in the back of your trailer park turning tricks yeah, imagine yeah Imagine not you because you can handle it, but somebody who is just getting into it and being a landlord. And oh, you yeah. say, oh, this is the spot. And you have a prostitute here. You have a kid running fentanyl down the street for the drug dealer here. Then you have the actual drug dealer here who's a really nice guy, but yeah. there's a drug dealer. It, and it's one of those things where people are like, you're making all this stuff up. I'm like, I wish I was. Yeah. I wish this was a script. Yeah, you're making oh, it up. Oh, would be great huh? if it was. But, yeah, with the landlord boot camp, um, we're just having people come here at Ohio and um, – run around with me on my business and everything like that which is kind of cool pull up his uh landlord boot camp because that and you have the frequently asked questions are awesome and the one that stuck out to me was it says is there any risk and i I was going to say to you brandon how many times do people ask you that is there any risk in an investment and why a person would even ask that i mean it's an investment 
Yeah. Of course there's a risk. There's a risk in anything. I, I've, I've run into a lot of people that want to get rich quick without any risk. And I told well, them. Go, you're, on the, you're on the wrong planet. Yeah. Right, and find out where we can go where there's no risk. Maybe, maybe it is Mars and we don't know, or the Z galaxy. Yeah, yeah. So let's take a look at what you got going on here. Yeah. So this is uh, May 21st through and June 25th. Yeah, that's our uh, that's our at-home boot camp where we do this big, gigantic live stream event. That's then the cool. next in-person boot camp is June the 11th through the 12th, but we've got another one where we're already it's kind of already filled up. And um, the guy that's coming into town, and we've already got him on apartment conk complex lined up to look at and potentially buy as a part of this landlord boot camp so we've already filled it up and taken it off the site scroll down ek okay cool so like th this is great i mean you have all the frequently asked questions there i saw that you said uh <clears throat> on the website that to do to do a zoom call mm. right because you want to is that because you want to make sure that if you're going to come there you kind of have things in your ducks and wrong you're not not come there if, you, if you're on the zoom and you do this event you don't want people to not have their ducks in a row mm -hmm. and basically waste their money if they're yeah. not ready, right? Yeah, and th th that happens pretty often. People find something they shouldn't really sh aren't ready for yet. So we're trying to make sure that we we have a good fit with everybody. So how how good do you think that will do? Have you ever done that before? No, this is this is the first one. The response has been a lot better than I had expected. Well, you're also a lot bigger now. Yeah. Now, when the YouTube, when your YouTube popped, was that a gradual thing too, where it was just very slow and gradual, or well, boom? I did it for two years and nothing was happening, and then one day a video went viral and just blew up. Changed it because your YouTube, I think, what you started in seventeen? Yeah, twenty seventeen, yeah. and then um, twenty seventeen went viral uh, October twenty nineteen. So I did it for two years, had three thousand subscribers, and then in like one week I went from three thousand subscribers to thirty five thousand. So it was just it was overnight. Crazy. Yeah, I know it's with one of those laundromat videos in the same format that I do on TikTok. I forgot to ask you this earlier when you were looking at places. You said that the two things you look at is electric and plumbing. I thought roof would have been in there. Like when you go to get real estate, uh, you did a great job on some of them rehabs that are on the site. For me, the flooring was great. For me, like it's really obvious just on the outside of the house if the, you, need, you need a new roof. It's not that I don't pay attention to the roof roof's important but for me it's just it's real obvious whether you have a bad roof or not i want to get in the house and look at the electrical and see how recently it was updated and see how recently the plumbing was updated because the plumbing can kill you right yeah i mean that can absolutely kill you yeah well you can have leaks in the property and for to get a good crew and we go in and we, we replace all of our pecs and uh or sorry or galvanize with pecs and if you know, it's a big old house that can be a week, two weeks, five, six thousand dollars, and if you don't do it, it, you're you're going to screw yourself over. And that's a done deal. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And electrical just burn the house down. Yeah, so electrical, you got to worry about it catching on fire, and plumbing, you got to worry about it breaking your pocket altogether, where you're just yeah. dumping it, right? Yeah, so that's why to... I'm usually pretty worried about those two things. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, that would make sense. Don't you think Apple needs to come out with something soon? Uh, like a new product? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it's been the same, it's been the same, it's been the yeah. same. You see things changing, you know, even with Facebook, with the metaverse and everything else. Yeah. And Apple just keeps coming out with the same thing. They threw, they they destroyed Siri, which they had first, and Tim Cook cooked that. Then they cooked the HomePod thing. Yeah. That was a waste. Where Where do you see their stock in five years from now i don't know i think that they've got too much money and too many good people on board to not figure out what it is 
I worry that they're not innovating near as much as they could, but that's with the amount of resources they have, they could potentially just buy the innovation from somebody else. So you think that's probably what they're that well that's kind of seems to have been their trend since think, jobs. Yeah, I and I think but I think they that they can sustain it. I look at AirPods. And, you know, you might not feel like that's a super prevalent thing. Oh, yes, it seems it like is. everybody has everybody has. And you figure two hundred dollars every every set. Yeah. Who doesn't have AirPods? I I would I, say eighty percent of the people I, yeah. that I, I I do not, and I I am very much in the minority. <laughs> do you want to have them? I, I've I've looked at them. I don't. I've heard they don't work well with Android phones, and I've oh you you're Android? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Samsung has their copy of them, and they suck. So do I? It seems like Apple let Samsung and these other ones come yeah. out with like the flip phones and yeah. and basically break everything. Yeah. And then Apple takes whatever the flaw is that yeah. they screwed up with, yeah. and then they do their best to perfect it. Yeah. Do you think that's the best? Well, you have an Android, but yeah. why don't you have Apple? Um, I just don't. I I don't know. You don't like the ecosystem. I've, I've been with Android since the first Android phone, the G One. Really? Yeah. I had the wow, G One. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. I really liked it. It was just a really good experience for me. And I've just been with them. I, I did buy my daughter an iPhone a couple years back just to, so I could get familiar on it. I just, I just, I'm not willing to step in to it. Well, like when they came out with the iPhone and the uh, Samsung, I, I had a tough time leaving BlackBerry. Oh, I had a yeah. really tough time. Yeah. But I, then, you know, I had to go, I went with the two and for me, Android just seemed so complicated. But I, yeah, but then again, I remember, like, I, I like the complicated. Well, actually. I was going from BlackBerry like I held on to it as long as I possibly could to the point where I was just a nerd having a BlackBerry. If I wanted to do any type of business, I looked like a fool. It, it was to the point where the internet. Remember, they never updated their internet. I don't know if you had a BlackBerry. No, but I'm I'm somewhat familiar with it. Well, they killed themselves by not updating the internet because they could have actually at the time competed with Apple. Yeah. But the internet never updated. So you have Apple, you have Android, and these internets at the fly at the time are flying. You know, we're used to this slow. Yeah. And while you could get 50 pages done on an iPhone or a Samsung, hmm. you know, you're still loading the first page on BlackBerry. Interesting. I never heard that. But they had it because all the business people had it, all the lawyers, all, yeah. all everyone. But be, for whatever reason, why, I don't know, they never updated. Yeah. And then they tried to make a comeback and got crushed again. That's you crazy. know, they were already dead. That's crazy. So what do you think is the most valuable stock right now? Tesla. Tesla? Yeah. What do you think second? Ooh. Tough one, huh? Come back to me in a couple hours. I don't know. I, I up till the their last earnings report, I would have said Amazon, but their last earnings report was miserable. When you look at Jeff Bezos, do you see him as an inventor or just a businessman? I see him as a good like a, a logistics guy. Yeah. All the back end in the background stuff. He's not nearly as good of an innovator as he is dealing with logistics. I think that's a strong suit. And then do you see Tim Cook as business or logistics as well? Both. And then Elon is everything. Is everything, everything. Every, everything in the, the cherry on the top. Huh? Yeah. He, Elon's really good at doing everything and he's really great working with people. And I think that that's Jeff Bezos' probably biggest problem. Is he? It's not that he's always treated people like crap. It's just that he's getting he's getting a big stigma around him about treating people poorly, and you can only go so long before that's going to destroy your brand. And I think that that's one of probably my top two or three concerns about Amazon right now. So then, who steps in? Because they're so huge. But you're right though, because more and more, more and more, you're hearing about yeah. now. The only problem I have with that is. 
you already know if you take a job with Amazon, you're going to work your tail off, yeah. right? So it's just like going to play football. You know you're going to get hit. Yeah. So if you take that job, he's going to work you to death. Yeah. And and I when I was working at the warehouse, I did the Amazon type work. So it's not that bad of a gig. But the problem is there's a lot on the surface that looks bad. And to me, if I was Jeff, I I would take a little bit of my billions and I would I would just take a billion dollars and I would do something crazy with it just to Elon level stuff just to make everybody get really excited about what I'm doing again. And then it would minimum distract everybody from the Amazon stuff. At best, it's going to really change people's lives and make make the world a better place. I think that that Bezos needs to have at least one or two of those pet projects. He's got Blue Origin, which should be that thing, and it's miserably managed. It's very poorly run. And as it is now, from my understanding, he's very minimally involved with Amazon at this point. That's what they but, say. But I they mean, still, he still needs to, he has his whole entire personality is tied to Amazon, so he needs to take a step back and do something with some of his capital. But the thing he's doing with the space is just to copy off Elon, basically. They started at the exact same time, just about yeah. the same time, doing the, most mostly the same things. It's just Elon had the totally perfect path, and he got the right people to work for him. And Bezos did not. I saw the last one that they did. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would pay a million for that just to oh, go up. And no, I think it's actually more than a million just to go up because you only go up a little bit over the it's, atmosphere. Yeah, right? it's like 120,000 feet. And the the problem there is that with SpaceX, they're in the like $20 million range, which I realize is a lot more. You go to actual space to orbit and you get to do stuff as opposed to Blue Origins, like 20 minutes in space, and you're not really orbiting. Did you see the one the other day? It was, it was about, it was about 20 minutes total, between the all together, up, hanging out, whatever they did up there. But by the time they got up there, they might have had three, four minutes, yeah, and then it was coming down. Business, yeah, okay. It is impressive that it landed right at the same spot, yeah, but. That, but. Not that's, when Elon already did it. That's if I'm going to do it, I'm going to wait for the. I'm going to wait till I got the 20 million brand, and then I'm going and I'm going to yeah, do it that right. That makes right? a lot more sense to me. And when when Elon gets done with the Starship, which they'll be done in a year or two, it'll go from a 20 million dollar ride to space, real space, to like half a million. Yeah. And at that point, Blue Origin for doing that segment's dead. Done. Dead yeah, and done. No one, no one will want to do that. And unlike the other ones, Elon will take that money he's getting that he's cutting the price down and put it into something else. I hope he buys Spotify so bad. I want him to buy Spotify so bad. That'd be interesting. I don't think so, though, right? You would know, man. You're you're more heavy in this game than me. I don't think so. It's just it's, Twitter one and done, and then his other projects. It's very expensive, yeah. Uh, what's What do you think it would, they would sell it for right now? Oh, I don't know. I'd have, I could go. When I looked, it was like $17, 18000000000 billion. Or twenty billion, yeah. but I don't know what it is now with Rogue. I think that was I'd have to pre Rogan and whatever. I don't know exactly what he got. Yeah, well, he was a hundred million dollar contract. I think it was. So I th- they said that, but I'm pretty sure he got double that. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, hundred million. I think they gave him more than that. I I think it was a hundred million dollar contract, but I think it was a very short time period. I'm thinking like two or three years, as opposed to he had a YouTube contract. He had another contract that was either done or proposed. It was like. 20 million a year or 15 million a year and this spotify contract was a hundred million dollar a year but you know or a hundred million dollar contract they just said hundred million dollar contract well if you have a six-month agreement how much is really that contract it's a 200 million dollar contract right so because then and then they pretty much have to renew it right because he yeah over the pandemic oh, he brought two million um It'll destroy spotify 
Right. Right. And he, that would be the time for Elon to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. And he he's basically running Spotify right now, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's the only reason people even went over and looked at Spotify, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. For, I mean, for podcasts or anything other yeah. than music. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have went there, you know. I would have just went to Apple or, yeah. or whatever, but, you know. Rogan decided. Why? What? What do you think was the the kicker that made him go over there to Spotify? I think it was after the Kanye West interview when they uh, limited him. Yes, and yep. they demonetized him. I think when yep. that happened, that's when he was like, "All right, yep. that's enough." Yeah, because that was in the original agreement. They are not going to censor him. They're not going to do anything to prohibit him to for his right to do what he wants to. And then, of course, went how long? And he, they started limiting, limiting him. Yeah, and then when he went, but I was I was happy as could be when he went over to Spotify and they tried everything they could to get rid of him. And yeah. but you know, let's just say they put two hundred fifty million into him that we don't know about. Oh, that's they're not prob- giving up that investment. That's probably <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> you know I can see that they're not. He could say whatever they want. There you go. Yeah. Everybody happy now? Here's your little blue tag. Yeah. You know that they put on it. Yeah. You know so. Where do you see yourself in five years? So you got all this stuff going on, all the success. I just want to do more of it. I really enjoy the stuff I do. I like traveling. I, I've never seen the ocean before, so that was pretty neat. No? I see the ocean. Yeah, I took a picture of it and sent it to my kids. I oh, said, cool. I found the ocean. Yeah, it's right over here. Yeah. It's a good view, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And then you spoke at a summit in uh, 2021. Yeah. It was Fin-Con. a big deal. FinCon. FinCon, yeah. Congratulations yeah. on that. That was pretty fun. What was your topic there? Um, it was, um, social media, it's called social media fame from a potato. I don't know if you <laughs> ever heard of a potato phone. Like you see a real blurry picture and it will stop, stop using a potato, take a picture of something, go get a real phone. So I went, I had this experiment I did. I purposely went to Walmart and I bought a $30 phone just off the rack and I made a TikTok video with it and it has 5 million views. That's so cool. Just, just as an experiment to see, can I make a good video on a piece of crap? And the answer is, yeah, I could. So the conversation there was specific, was geared towards, you know, I run into all these kids and they say, oh, I need a really good camera. I need a really good gaming PC to do what I want to in life. And the kind of the the point of the conversation there is it's less about your equipment. It's more about your personal skill set. It is nice that I have a, a nice phone. It is nice that I've got an expensive camera. But really when it comes down to it, it's more about your skill. I could go back to... You know, I don't want to have a $30 phone, but I could, and I could still make videos with it. And is that what you presented at? Yes. Uh, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that was I, I, bet, I bet the crowd went. What, they, what, it, was, what was the reaction when you showed that you could get a $30 phone and you could really do something with it yeah, with the millions? it was good. It, Why do you say, like, it was good? Like Because they – not to write anybody down, but I was supposed to do it in person, and then they made me record it, oh. and then they did it non-live. Because they were worried that the whole thing was going to end up getting coronavirus. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Now, I am speaking there in person this time. Good. In 2022? Yeah. 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 I, I saw be, that one. Yeah, it'll be in Orlando this year. Yeah. I, I, I glanced at that 2022. That was, it, it's pretty nice, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. The people that I met there, I, I don't care about the speaking part of it. The Networking. people I met. The first guy I ran into in a bar at the convention center. He's, we're talking, and I said, what do you do? And he said, well, I don't do anything anymore. So why? And he said, sold off everything. What did you sell off? What? Who are you with? He said, company you've never heard of. I said, who's the company you ever heard of? Elance.com. I'm like, holy freaking crap. And he said, wow. do you know who that is? And I said, I'm 36 years old. <laughs> I, know. I, I have bought and sold a lot of services on Elance. And he said, oh. 
And he said, oh, then you know you know who I am. I'm like, I don't know who you are, but I know that Elance.com was Elance the, biggest, is, right? one of the biggest things ever. And then he's like, yeah, I did. And I don't even know if, how much it was confidential that he told me, but he, I was like, holy crap, this guy's a baller. Same same bar. I Several guys from a film crew from another big, gigantic YouTube channel came up and said, it's investment joy. Do you want to do some podcasts tomorrow? And I said, what? And they said, be at this address tomorrow. And I went and I did podcasts and met all these different people. It was just absolutely wild. So it was just a massive networking, right? Yeah, like 500 people, five or 600 people showed up to that like to talk about money and social media and influencing and just money people. Now, you're going to laugh when I ask you this, but when you found out that he owned or sold off Elance, right? Mm. What did he look? Did he look like the guy you thought would have owned it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he did? Yeah. Okay, because sometimes, you know, these guys, they have like, you know, a, a t shirt with a hole in it. And like you know, like shoes with a hole in yeah. their big foot sticking out of their sneaker, and he didn't come they're off the worth a billion dollars. Yeah, you know, I, I, how many of them have you ran into? I ran into a bunch of them over I, here. Yeah, I've run into several. I mean, literally, Brandon, holes in the shirt, like shoes that yeah. from nineteen eighty six. Those are the kinds of people that I would love, and they will, they won't do it in a million years. I'd love to ha- interview people like that. They won't do it. Yeah. The richest guy I know in Southern Ohio drives a Hyundai. Yeah, and he said, I don't want anybody to know how much money I have, and. We were talking about this yesterday. When you go up <clears throat> this street here, Ocean Drive, mm-hmm. Al Pacino's got a house down here, a bunch of them. They're all, what are they, $100, $2 million houses? Every one down here. If you drive down here and the gates open, you, you won't see any. There, I've never seen, I've been here six years, mm-hmm. and I drive down that way, <clears throat> and I've never seen an expensive car in one of those places. It's always Honda, Toyota, or even a Kia, but the house is $100 million. That's interesting. There's nobody pulling out of there in a Ferrari or anything else. Hmm. Now, you keep going down to maybe like the one or two million dollar spots, yeah. then you'll have the crazy cars. Yeah. I, but the big boys, they don't even doesn't surprise me. They don't play around with that stuff, or they're older or whatever. Yeah, the like the biggest guy I know, he has a Hyundai. Uh, um, and one guy I do know, he has a like four or five, four or five exotic cars. Like he's got a. AMG van, which I had no clue they made like a really nice Mercedes. Like an van. AMG van. AMG van. I didn't realize that's a oh, thing, but they do. I've had Mercedes all my life, and I didn't know they made an yeah, AMG yeah. van. Yeah, they do. Can you? Can you, you know, that ends. That ends the whole like. Uh, you know, we. You know, when you were in school, you you also used to always make fun of like the mom van. Oh yeah. Well, you got a Mercedes mom van with an AMG. I don't know. It's it's a price. all right. Yeah, all right. I'll get in that van. Right. It's like a quarter million dollar van. <laughs> it's, it's wild. And I've seen him do like deliveries with it, like free <laughs> deliveries. He has dressed up as Santa Claus. That's and cool. It was full of toys and wrapped gifts. That's pretty cool. He does it. But he's got like a Ferrari or two and a couple Porsches and a couple. Um, oh gosh, the Italian one that I can't think of. Alfa Romeo. No, but it's uh, Maseratis. Maserati. He's got a couple of Maseratis. And it's he, he's that kind of person. He lives in a three million dollar house, and he is like mid pack of the guys I know in terms of wealth. Everybody knows he's the rich guy in town. Like you know, there's a guy I know that just drives a lifted um, diesel Chevy, and he's worth twice as much as that guy. That guy's worth like eight or ten million dollars. It's kind of cool though. I think it'd be kind of cool just to drive. I mean, this might be like cocky jerk, but just to drive around in my little Honda. Yeah, keep keep laughing at me in my Honda. Yeah. Yeah, my house is worth more than your entire yeah. life. I, I always you know? thought that, it was cool <laughs> to, you know, get like a Honda and put a really, like, really, really make it nice so then you can outrun all the Ferraris and Porsches. Make it like uh, call Lazar and have him put rockets on the back there of it, go. like he did with the bike in the beginning. There you mm-hmm. go. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Hey, the guy did it. Enough, you have enough money. You can, you can do anything, yeah. right? Yeah. You know? 
So you're going to keep going on with this. You're going to do another speaking in uh, 2022, right? And why do you got to go today? You got to get out of here, right? Yeah. um, Where are you headed to? To Orlando. What's over there? Um, uh, We've got an NFT project we're working on. That's like my big thing that I'm working on. We're actually going to take some of my social media presence. We're going to combine it into an NFT, and we're going to sell it off to subscribers so that a lot of people want to have some equity, some ownership in my brand. So that's what we're doing. We're making an NFT, and I'm going and talking to the Crypto Night people in Orlando. They're like the biggest NFT people in the world. Unbelievable. These so NFTs are crazy. Oh, it's crazy. I couldn't believe it. When I, the first one I saw was the uh, the boat guy. Yeah. The yacht guy? Yeah, yeah. That's when I was introduced to it. Somebody, I forget who was in. I, I think it was like a Web3 guy yeah. that was that came in to talk about that because it was like yeah. Web3, Web2, Web1, all this yeah. crazy stuff. And I looked over, and I see this ape with a hat on. With I guess a yacht, like in a yacht, yeah. I don't know, and it was like twenty million dollars. Yeah, you guys see that one? Yeah, twenty million dollars. Yeah. Some twenty-five million. Yeah, I know a guy that. Had and it. I guess Mr. Beast, he's the biggest one, right? With those NFTs. <sighs> Gary V is one of the biggest. I don't know about. Anything. Well, Beast does a lot of the YouTube videos, but then he's yeah. also into the I, NFT. I think things. he's into everything. How about that guy? Uh, yeah, he's he's awesome. <sighs> Every kid on the planet knows who that is. Yes. Was he getting 220 million views a video? Yeah, his Squid Games. I just is 235 million on that one. <sighs> he beat out the. He was copying the Squid Games on Netflix, and he beat the whole. He beat the original out. What do you think he makes on on 265 oh, million views? What I've, the I've heck seen is that the payout? He um they figured that he like gross revenue last year did 250 million dollars, but he spends a ton. Yeah, he does, but. On the Squid Games, you can you can do the numbers on it. He said he spent four million dollars on that video, which is really high. But he most likely made about forty million on it, so he's got thirty six million in net. But if you listen to how he structures his company, he's going to reinvest ninety percent of that in something else. Well, he did. He went and did that burger thing. He did <clears throat> that before Squid Games. Oh, he did. Yeah, that was that was a good move because yep. he would go to each place for three months, you know, get his name out there. Yeah. Push it out for him. Nothing really out of pocket, right? It was just kind of the name, and then move on. Kid's now, smart. Now he's doing the Mr. Beast chocolate thing, where you, if you get I heard of that it's one. the golden candy bar, and you get a candy factory if you get the right one. It's Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, but in real life. Is that like the next video he's doing? He's or? doing that right now across all his social media. Holy heck! And you, he mails you a treasure chest. It's <laughs> got a lock on it, and you've got to wait three days to open it. That guy's and, unbelievable. Uh, it's, he, his marketing genius is. Uh, I right. like his videos, but he is the marketing genius and marketing genius. genius. I didn't. I didn't even know. I just saw him on Rogan, and uh, I had asked, uh, you know, one of the booking guys I deal with. I said, "Hey, can you get this, uh, Mr. Beast?" Uh, and he's like, "Oh my kid, my kid." You know, I'm, I didn't really know how big he was. You know what I mean? And, and he's like, "Do you know him, who Mr. Beast is?" And I'm like, yeah, I saw him on Rogan, and he makes games or whatever. And then I looked because I heard the number. And I was like, 229 million. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. He is, for as far as YouTube's concerned, he's right up there with Joe Rogan. Yeah. In terms of. Like, subscribe. Well, he's. Everything. Technically bigger. Yeah. Well, yeah, as far as subscribers goes. But, like, overall influence, he's probably equal to Rogan. Yeah. And he's got the kids. So, yeah. when you got the kids, you no, no, no comparison, yeah. right? It's pretty cool. Uh, EK, let's go through his webpage. And we can go over everything to show everybody. So, we'll start with uh, tab one. And we have Brandon Stocks, the courses, Go Beyond Social Media, the blog, Laundromat Investing, 100 Times Vending. I think I'm going to do the 100 Times Vending. I'll, I'll tell you once it shuts off what it is. Okay. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll love it. 
and then go to the uh, landlord boot camp next tab and then we have go up top we have our landlord boot camp with brandon uh you want to promote that um yeah come come and meet me in person and learn from me and my team to um learn how we do real estate how we buy rental property and we make it profitable and i'll really big intense how to find a good manager that you don't pull your hair out because obviously i'm already there (laughs) that was a good job but and good time too with the real estate market all all haywire you know there's always a good time to buy property in there you just have to make wise choices right and then we got your famous youtube channel next tab scroll down a little bit 1.31 million views these are cool do you do your own thumbnails uh, not anymore. But not anymore. I've done a lot of them. Yeah. Funny. Killed it all. And then go to, uh, TikTok. The TikTok one is just unbelievable. Yeah. Doing pretty I mean, they're so good. I like them. Yeah. <laughs> so right there is like the Pepsi vending. Now how much, like that Pepsi vending machine there on uh, just off the top of your head, what does that run? Oh, probably Coke? 12 or 1300. Cause that's a really good machine. I got that one for free. We, that's, that's still not bad, right? Twelve or thirteen hundred. Yeah. If you're, I mean, you'll make your investment I, back in six months. I bought nice. two more of them at eight hundred a piece, but that no. one's just that one's tough. I awesome. got to get into this. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to. No, I really am. Oh. And then uh, anything else? Anything yeah, else you want us to hit? I appreciate you. Let me come out and talk to you. Oh, I had Pretty a great time. We got to learn about stuff I don't know about, and uh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do the vending right. thing. Yeah, cool. And you said that you think that's about two months away, huh? Um, I will text him and I will figure out how far he is away because uh, I gotta harass him. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do that. What yeah. are you gonna do, right? All right. Well, thank you, Brandon, for your time. Right. Uh, you know, hope to see you back again when you get that popping on. Right. When you open that up, fly back in. Thanks, guys. Right. You got you got a nice crew, man. Right, cool. And they're very cool. Thank very you very nice. much. Thanks.